Rascals, Ronins, and the Rockford Files. Welcome to another episode of Marvel vs. Marvel. It's the podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic before in his life watches a Marvel movie or a TV show and then quizzes someone who is a Marvel expert, someone that was taught to read with Marvel comics. Hello and welcome to a deeper dive into Hawkeye. I'm your host, comedian, writer, and the Marvel expert, Rob Holden, joined on this Marvel journey as ever by the man who makes it all possible. He is the engine in the car, and that car is powered exclusively by Ignorance Plus. It's Mr. Will Preston. Yes, uh, I'm a diesel-powered ignorance engine, possibly German. Who knows? This car's going to go on the highway of ignorance, stopping at nowhere, because we... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going. Are ignorant. Are ignorant. <laughs> we we're ignorant. We're ignorant. places. We don't stop. We don't stop. We Far don't know where we're going because we don't know. We don't know anything. We're ignorant. Anyway, yes. Hello. 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 Someone on social media did say the other day that our uh, our brand was wholesome idiots, and I thought that was kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> wholesome yeah. idiots. I like that. the problem with yeah, but the problem with being described as wholesome is it means people are going to come for you. They're going to go. You're not wholesome. I'm going to find some stuff out about you, <laughs> and uh, they probably could. Um, very that, excited to be back in the mcu mm. albeit the disney plus version as it were um blowing everyone away last episode with dr strange man that was something else to uh to pull out of the hat magician joke um <laughs> but he's a sorcerer it's all the same thing uh <laughs> you and your you and your weirdness about magicians and sorcerers and wizards um, he's not Paul Daniels, mate. He's not Paul Daniels. They're all magicians. <laughs> it's all magic. It's, if you do magic, you're a magician. Anyway, <laughs> that's why that last episode was like four hours long when it didn't need to be. <laughs> it's just me going, shut up, he's not Paul We're Daniels. Just lots of semantics. It doesn't saw um, a lady in half. He's not a magician. Sticking with the uh, the MCU, uh, albeit the, uh, what would you call this? The MTVU or the MDPU, um, <laughs> as we take our deeper dive based, spinning out of the uh, Disney Plus series Hawkeye, we're going to take a deeper dive into Hawkeye, his past, his origins, coming up an in-depth look at the history of Hawkeye. Exactly which version of Hawkeye do we see in the MCU, there's more than one. We take our first look at Kate Bishop, and we find out what exactly is her relationship to Clint Barton himself. We explore the history and identity of Ronin, and we meet the Kingpin's daughter. It's a spicy one, plus a very special Christmas giveaway. You don't want to miss a second of this episode of MVM. Are you psyched and excited and pumped, Will? I am, it's, and, and I can't say anything, especially when I saw uh, the penultimate episode of Hawkeye uh, at time of recording. Uh, I, 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 I'm really pumped. <laughs> Let's put it that way. That I am, As I am ever with excited. these deeper dives, we work really, really hard to try and not give any spoilers away mm. about the actual series. Everything that we're going to be focusing on is like Will's watch stuff, and he said, okay, this character is in the show, are they somebody important? They'll say this features. You know, we're not we're not saying this plot point. We're not saying this revelation. We're not giving away any secret people that might turn up in it. None of that. Um, we're, we're we're keeping it very spoiler light. If you're one of those people that that wants to absolutely have nothing said about it whatsoever, um, 
I still think you get away with this episode, but you might want to skip this one, um, which is not anything you should say when promoting an episode at the start. But uh, we're really digging into the comic book history of Clint Barton, of Hawkeye. Um, Please don't buy my product. Please do not buy my (laughs) product. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Speaking of buying our products, no. Uh, Will, have you finished? We normally do this bit where we find out where we can find Willie P in and around London at the uh, the Giggle Shacks where he plies his wares as a mirth merchant. <laughs> a merchant of mirth. Uh, but uh, are you done for the year? Yeah, sadly. I uh, had to cancel four gigs today. Oh dear. Because uh, we want to spend time. Omicron is coming. Omicron, Omicron is coming. coming. Omicron Tis the is season coming. to stop <laughs> tasting and smelling. Uh, I, yeah, I, I had to do the sensible thing. Uh, and they were, I mean, I was looking forward to some of them. I mean, they, 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 they weren't paid or progression. So it was just, you know, just nice gigs. But we just went, look, my wife had to have a word and say, I think you're going to have to knock him on the head for, for the rest of the year. But, well, yeah. So, yeah, and I'm like... It's so, I mean, it's it's much easier to control a social interaction, meeting a friend in a coffee shop or a pub. You both test. You're all sorted. It's much harder to control when you're in, you know, a, an indoor venue of some description with a group of people, you know, that could be it could be up to 50 or 100 or whatever, and they're kind of... And they are laughing. They are in, intentionally projectile projectiling at you. That's the whole point of a comedy gig. It's kind yeah. of weird, man. It's 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 tricky to know what to do. I got some social interactions on the books for the week of Christmas, and I don't know. I don't know, man. We're all going to test beforehand, and we're going to be having a drink. I think we're going to have a drink, kind of outside, uh, ish. Uh, you know, in like a beer garden thing, and minimal time spent in the pub. I, but I, again, I'm I'm going to play it by ear, see what the reports say, how I feel, and I guess run it by the family and friends. Because I mean, with, with shared households and stuff, I'm at the family uh, the family household this Christmas. Ooh. If I kind of go down, I take down the the family hub, <laughs> and like mm. no one gets no none of the family get a nice Christmas, you know. Mm. Um, hey, let's stop talking about this and yeah. get on with the show. Although Will won't be treading the boards in the immediate future, we are crossing our fingers that the uh, (laughs) Marvel vs. Marvel Live podcast is heading your way in February, Sunday the 6th of Feb, 2pm in the afternoon at the Attenborough Arts Centre in Leicester. It's part of the Leicester Comedy Festival, uh, and and Leicester Comedy Festival reached out to us and they wanted us to be a part of it, and we're very excited um, to to do that and to put this show together. It's going to be... A very special live show where we're dealing with a What If episode. Mm. A Marvel What If from the Disney Plus series. Um, you loved that series, didn't you, Will? I, I did. I really enjoyed it. I mean, a lot of people, uh, I know, sort of, sort of like, oh, is, are all the episodes just, what if a different character was in the film instead of that one? But I was like, no, it, it gets better as it goes along and it really oh, yeah. ties together in a really, really clever way. Uh, long one of my as a kid growing up, my absolute favorite comics to get were What If because mm. you got a full story beginning, middle, and end, which you didn't, you never, never got in Marvel. That sounds um, like my kind continuation. of thing. I love, I yeah. love, I love a conclusion. And like the writers were unchained because anything can happen. Yeah. So you normally got an awful lot of death and murder and good guys turning bad and 
You've got real big tumultuous events in a What If comic. Um, and if you've got three of them, you've got three complete stories and stuff. So I was always diving through the uh, the back issue bins for a What If as a kid. So I was really cool to see this Disney Plus series. And for us to, you know, because we haven't touched it. Um, no, no, but no. there are ones that we can look at because they're kind of, they're, they're dealing with films we've already covered in our Marvel journey. Mm. And then they're going to be dealing with completely new kind of events and stuff. So that's uh, an awesome thing for us to do. Um, very excited about putting the show together and bringing it to Leicester. Apologies to uh, all the people abroad that can't, you know, make it and see the show. Um, but we have, I'm going to introduce to you, I got to talk to the guy that made it all possible. Daniel Nicholas, uh, who is a comedy producer. Um, a creative producer, I should say, and he got in touch, and he's working as part of the Leicester Comedy Festival, and uh, and he reached out and was and 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 had the bright idea of getting us uh, into the Attenborough Arts Centre as part of this comedy festival, and I got a chance to speak to him earlier this week. I'm joined now by Daniel Nicholas. Very excited uh, to be have him on the show. Who who is a, a writer, a comedian, and a creative producer, and in fact the mastermind behind the Marvel versus Marvel Live podcast. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me, Rob. It's, I feel like a little bit starstruck. I usually just have you in my ears or in the car. <laughs> and it's actually because I don't think we've even met before. So like, yeah, this feels no. Like, I think. Oh. I, We've messaged and emailed and stuff, and uh, cool, we're connected through the comedy scene. But I don't think we've met at a gig, or this happens with comedians sometimes. I'll work with a comedian writing something together, and it'll be it happened with someone recently. I'm working on their, their their tour for next year, and we were both confident we'd never met, and then all of a sudden we went, we met 15 years ago at a gig. <laughs> um, so yeah, we really, I mean, this is uh, really great to, to be able to ask you a couple of questions about uh, this really cool thing that we're going to be doing next year in February. Um, I guess first of all, because we got a lot of international listeners, and even some some you know national listeners might not know that Marvel versus Marvel Live podcast is 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 coming to the Attenborough Arts Centre as part of the the Leicester Comedy Festival. So, could you just tell us a little bit what is the the Leicester Comedy Festival for those that might not know? Yeah, so the Leicester Comedy Festival is probably one of the biggest uh, UK comedy festivals in, in the kind of UK comedy scene. Uh, it was founded in 1994 by a uh, uh, Jeff Rowe, who did it as part of his arts management degree at Tamontford University, and uh, since then has been going on every year since. Um, I don't actually work for the festival, I'm kind of like it's a bit like Edinburgh in the sense of there's lots of different venues that uh, could be a part of it, and then kind of comedians talk to the venues uh, to put on their shows and stuff. Um, but it's situated in February, which is like six months between the Edinburgh Fringe. So a lot of the shows there are kind of either work in progresses, getting ready for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is like the big uh, arts fest, uh, comedy festival. Um, or there's a lot of tour shows that are either like as part of the tour or ones that were uh, at Edinburgh previously. So it's kind of a halfway marker for the, in a comedy calendar, as it were. Um yeah, and it's just like, uh, along with like kind of lots of people trying out stuff, uh, there's lots of kind of cool festival experiences, uh, like we've done comedy shows in hotel rooms, um, I've put on stuff in laser tag centres before, uh, so it's a really <laughs> great uh, festival that runs for like uh, two and a half weeks, uh, maybe three weeks in February uh, in Leicester. 
I tend to see quite a lot of people trying out some really new stuff at Leicester. Um, whether where whether or not that go, ends up going and making it, as it were, or, or them doing it again at Edinburgh, um, I always think Leicester is a, a chance to kind of uh, do something a little, uh, something really creative and a little bit different, which is really really cool vibe to have. Um, now, Daniel, why? Because you're the guy that kind of approached us. Uh, why? Why did you think Marvel versus Marvel would would be would make a good fit and be a good sort of live live podcast? Yeah. Um, so I've been listening to your podcast like everyone else in lockdown. Uh, usually, while I was running, and I'm sure, like, I'm sure you heard it so many times. Been like, it's so long, or whatever. And for a while, I was like, uh, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, could they do an hour show? Could they do an hour show? Um, but like the more I listen to it, the more it's like, yeah, you've absolutely got the format right and it needs to be as long as it is. And it's so great for long car journeys. Um, but I heard your unscripted show and it felt uh, like a really good way, uh, a really good kind of um, snippet, or not snippet, but kind of like showcase of what you two do. And that was when I was like, yeah, I think they could do it. And so I program Atterborough Arts Centre during Leicester Comedy Festival, not all year round, but just during the festival. And I'm really looking for, we don't put on like traditional stand-up there, we kind of look for more kind of theatrical kind of stuff or kind of really um, interesting and kind of diverse kind of shows there. And podcasts obviously has been a really, really taken off in the last year or so. I don't know if you know. <laughs> um, Tell me more, Daniel. <laughs> podcast, you say? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Everyone seems to have one now. Um, uh, and we haven't had a podcast in our lineup of, in our program before. I thought this would be a really great opportunity. And like, um, Marvel is such a big thing at the moment. I knew it would resonate with audiences. Um, and you guys are just really funny and really great to listen to and really in endearing and charismatic to listen to and it's just really nice to hear your voices and i i look forward to yelling at will in front of a live audience i'm really excited about that <laughs> i have to say that when you said you're going to be doing a what if episode it's like oh what not the last stand uh. <laughs> we talked about it and we'll let you know um there might be a big make anyway off camera we'll chat um so, what then has been your Marvel journey? Because that's really what 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 our the ethos of our show really is. Um, some people, as we talked about, like came to like me from my my end came to Marvel through the comics. Some, like Will, came through the movies, or the, a lot of people we've recently came to Marvel for the first time through those cartoons in the nineties or, or whatever. What was your kind of journey with Marvel? How did you first kind of like get into these characters? Yeah, that's a great question. I've been thinking a lot about this recently when I listen to podcasts. I think I, I never had the comics. The only comics I ever had was Sonic the comic. Um, but I think it's probably the Spider-Man animated 90s cartoon series, which rewatching I think still holds up and is really great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably my first introduction to these characters, um, and I don't know if I had a Batman lunchbox when I was in primary school, but I don't, I don't remember watching Batman the animated series. Um, but my other memories of kind of more kind of from video games, I guess. Like I had a friend who had Spider Man on a PlayStation One. I remember, I always wanted to go around his house just to play that, not necessarily spend time with him, but just to play on his PlayStation, as we didn't have one uh, when I was growing up. <laughs> I do have vivid memories of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film coming out, but because it was like the first film as well, or one of the first films to have a 12A rating, 
because I, I, it wasn't. Yeah, that's wasn't, right. Yeah, wasn't a thing before that. I don't remember either. I think just no. being eleven and not being old enough to see it without an adult. I remember it coming out, and I had the Spider-Man the game from the movie, but I don't actually remember ever seeing that in the cinema. Um, I think just since this whole explosion of the MCU. I've kind of slowly, steady but surely kind of got more and more into Marvel going from I'll see that Marvel film or I'll see that Marvel film to now being like, I will see every Marvel film. Um, and this kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, and then listening to your podcast and getting to know the characters a bit more has uh, finally led me to this year like buying actual Marvel comic books for the first time. Oh, what have been? Oh, so wait. Forget my next question for a bit. Then, what have you? What have you enjoyed that you've bought? Because that's really, that's really. I I love when we hear from people who go. Oh, not necessarily because of us, but sometimes because of us, and they've gone out and bought something. Well, it is entirely because of you. Um, I yes. Love that. <laughs> I win. Um, I haven't <laughs> got that many. Um, because I I really want to get like it's. I don't know if you have advice for this. It's so overwhelming. It's like Spider Man is my favorite character. Um, but there's with such a long history, it's hard to know where to start and stuff. So I kind of just started actually just going into HMV, which has a small collection of like collected works and graphic novels, and um, and just taking some from there. So I bought the Civil War one um, after hearing your podcast, and I've got uh, House of M as well. I don't think I've got any others. They're pretty dense, heavy. Those are pretty dense and heavy ones to kind of like. They're not. That's not a simple civil war. There's, there's so much going on in both those. Yeah. <laughs> and like House of M is a terrible start because it's like, okay, here's the Marvel universe for half a second. Forget about that. We're off to a parallel world for a bit. Yeah, and the way it ends as well. Um, I don't know. Can we say how it ends? Is it? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but just the way it ends, it's just but, like what? No, no, no. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's a downer, and you've and that's that's the great thing. I think. Well, that's the unique thing about comics that I, don't, I think that it's difficult to get into is because there is no end. There yes. is no end, and there's kind of almost no start. Like the start doesn't even really matter that much because no one's going back to the sixties to start reading these. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I think I've got this kind of completionist thing that like, I, I'm very well aware that Will has, probably not to the same extent as him. I won't watch that much Simpsons. But like, kind of, I, I always, when starting or like trying to get into a franchise or like a game or a series, I always like to start from the beginning and then just to see as well, like the kind of progression in how the ideas are develop and form and kind of like what they learn and, start, and like how that media like evolves on itself. But with uh, like Marvel, it's 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 quite, it's quite a lot. <laughs> it's a, there's a yeah, ever-changing. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up then, mate, uh, that'd be really cool to know what has been your favourite episode of the podcast um, or, or couple or, or what, what, what ones do you like? Is it the carrot? Is it, you know, uh, Spider-Man stuff better or, or what, or the MCU stuff better? Um, well, I'm really enjoying how you, uh, you're going off into tangents and doing non-MCU stuff, and I actually find that really excite, more, more exciting in a way. Um, but um, definitely the Spider-Man stuff, but also your recent Dark Phoenix saga, I uh, thought it was brilliant, and uh, I listened to it before watching the X-Men back again on Disney+, and I've found this a few times when listening to your podcasts, 
is that like hearing the kind of the narrative willing you doing the narrative of the pl- film plot especially if it's a film not seen or seen in a while like it's kind of uh, an imagination thing you can't just imagine wow. the scenes play out kind of like a audio book work with uh cliff notes kind of thing i guess yeah you know? lie in a dark room and uh close your eyes and we'll spin a tail <laughs> that's really cool because most of the time we hear from people like i'm at work i'm in a warehouse i'm working in a warehouse and you're just to dull out the noise of <laughs> of my own brain so that's pretty fun yeah, we've enjoyed the Dark Phoenix stuff. Was good. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was going to just say the Apocalypse, uh, uh, which he did for we which you put because I listened on Spotify. When you put that on Spotify, that was just such like, oh my god, I should be paying for this stuff, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we we released the um a, a, a full length bonus one on our anniversary. I think that's something we're going to do again uh, in twenty twenty two and kind of mark the occasion and use it as hopefully a way to say to people, look what you're missing. Um, but we do have, you know, as we do more Marvel um, films, uh, more, more X-Men films, there's more apocalypse to come down the line. Daniel, thanks ever so much for taking the time to uh, to join us today. And uh, we will see you in February. Yes, you will. Thank you, Rob. Join me now for a... Oh, it's been pirate then for some reason. For a trip into the mind of an average Joe. A muggly muggle from Muggledom, United Kingdom, mm. Muggletown, England. Uh, Will Preston, we've talked an awful lot about Hawkeye. We have. On, 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 the, on our Marvel journey. But because of how I think we did it, we've never asked a question. Did you, before the movie came out, before mm. he was in the movies, had you ever seen anything about or heard anything about this character Hawkeye, this this bow and arrow superhero guy? No, next question. No, <laughs> literally nothing. I knew nothing about Hawkeye. Uh, mm. in, fact, in fact, if I did hear about Hawkeye, I assumed they were talking about Green Arrow. And even then, I didn't know anything about Green Arrow. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, the first time I witnessed Hawkeye was the Avengers probably. Or Thor. Thor would have been. Yeah, but then even then you don't know it's great you don't wouldn't know it's Hawkeye, would you? You think- didn't watch you didn't watch Thor and go, Wow, that's Hawkeye. You go, It's a guy with a bow and arrow. Like for shield. Well, the thing is, because I know the codes and conventions of films and possibly superhero stuff. If there's a guy that isn't using a standard issue rifle or something has his own <laughs> weapon, chances are they're He's a, char- a character. It's a character. Yeah, it's not yeah, a standard yeah. henchman. Standard henchman. That's a that's an actual guy. I mean, all I see was like, oh, that's that guy from that film. You know, that's Jeremy Renner, the guy with the incredibly square face. He's an odd-looking chap, and he. Well, it's interesting you talk about Green Arrow. Green Arrow, you'd heard of? That's interesting. Yeah, I think it must have been mentioned on The Simpsons or something, or a Kevin Smith movie or something. Uh, You know, I, I heard the name mentioned, and then you Google it and go, oh, there's a guy who looks like Robin Hood who hangs around with Batman. Great. That's. I mean, yes. Kevin Smith had written. He 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 had written the Green Arrow cartoon uh, comic book series in the nineties. No way. Um, it was the. I think it was the first. Yeah, the first comic book series that he he took took hold of. Let's take a look behind a look behind the page. Then um, Green Arrow. Yeah, he's he's the. He's the famous Archer superhero yeah. um, from DC Comics back in in the nineteen forties, nineteen forty one, created by Mort Weisinger. And uh, George Papp, um, he first appeared in more fun comics. <laughs> you think you're reading a fun comic? 
Get real. These are more fun comics. More fun um, comics. So he's part gold, uh, Green Arrow is part of the golden age of of superheroes that we've talked about in the past, especially kind of in our Superman episode. The golden age is is pre war. Mm. Um, and well, this case is actually in the, it's pre. It starts the pre war and during the the war and slightly just after it. Um, so he's he's fully part of the, the Justice Society of America. He predates the Justice League, um, and he he very much predates the Marvel universe by twenty decades. That's Green Arrow. Mm. And he's one of the few Golden Age characters that um, is continued to be published and have stories written about it throughout the 50s and into the 60s. Okay. Um, quite a lot of the characters like um, Green Lantern and The Flash, they stopped making those comics. And then in the 1960s, they created, they kind of like rebooted the, the franchise. They created brand new versions of those superheroes um and those are the most enduring ones the silver age green lantern is the one you'll think of as green lantern the silver age flash is the one that you'll think of when we're talking about the flash not the not the old 40s golden age ones but green arrow is a character that just kept kept on kept keeping on brother uh because his creator mort weisinger um was a very very influential figure at dc comics and so he kept him he kept him around but in, in a small way so an mm. archer based hero had been around since 19 well longer there are there are other versions but you know kind of other archer based heroes but green arrow is the archer based hero until 1964 Ooh. um when uh iron man stories that are taking place not in his own comic book but in a comic book called Tales of Suspense. Um, <laughs> as we talked about in our last episode, Doctor Strange, mm. a lot of these characters don't start with their own comic, like the Doctor Strange comic or the Iron Man comic. Doctor Strange started in Strange Tales. Iron Man started in Tales of Suspense. And he, at the start, he only had like, I don't know, eight or ten pages uh, in, in that comic, and the rest was doing something else. Um, and... Yeah, he's introduced, Hawkeye is, as uh, a villain, a bad guy, led down the wrong path to become a villain that attacks Iron Man with a bow and some arrows. Imagine taking <laughs> uh, on a guy in a powered suit with a bow and arrow. Oh, he beats him. No, that's rubbish. He beats him. And we will get... We, I think I'm going to save some of how that happens, because I've seen your list of questions. So we're going to mm. save that. We're going to save some of how it happens for your list of questions. Yeah. So Clint Barton is um is a carny he's a, a runaway <laughs> orphan who ends up in a, a a traveling circus and is taught by an incredibly skilled um martial artists but he's incredible weapons with swords and with yeah. bows and arrows and knives and everything and and Clint Barton becomes uh, incredibly proficient with the bow and arrow I don't think we know no we don't know this at the time okay yeah we don't know this at the time what we know is <laughs> uh, Tony Stark and Pepper Potts and Happy Hogan his, his driver slash friend slash love rival they all go to um Coney Island to the uh, to the fun fair at Coney Island, and uh, that's where they see uh, the, an incredible masked marksman um, who watches Iron Man save a bunch of people from a runaway ride that goes crazy and endangers civilians. And then we see this marksman, this archer, um, kind of slink off 
thinking to himself, why are they giving all their attention to Iron Man just because he can fly <laughs> and, is, and has a suit of armor and saved everyone. And and he, he tired of the circus life and seeing Iron Man do this amazing feat and get all this adulation and hero worship um clint barton is inspired to i could i could be a i could be one of these costumed heroes i'm so good with a bow and arrow i could do this um and so he me sews together a, a costume and he grabs a bow and arrow and uh, he goes out to be a hero and he spots a jewel robbery and he actually fires his arrows and he stops them he stops the, you know he he cuts the whatever bag of jewels they've got he slices through the bag with his arrows mm. and they drop the jewels and off they run and the masked hawkeye picks up the jewels and goes i did it i stopped the bad guys and then the police arrive and they go hey you jewel thief masked jewel thief <laughs> with a weapon Put down the jewels. You're going to prison. And he's like, this is the opposite of what I wanted. <laughs> the absolute opposite. So he, he runs away um, on the run. And immediately the cops are like, put out an APB. He's a masked guy. Purple. Purple thing. Big H on his forehead. Bow and arrow. And he's definitely a criminal. And he's like, ah, that's the end of me as a superhero, I guess. Oh, and wow. he's like really, really twisted by it. He's really, really annoyed and frustrated by the whole thing. Yeah, but... like he's like, if they think I'm a criminal, then fine, I'll, I'll be a criminal. I'll be the best criminal they've ever seen. And I think literally, as he's saying that in his head, running from the cops, a car pulls up, the door flies open, and like the stockinged leg of the Black Widow is just visible in the car, and she's like. Get in, hot stuff. I'm going to change your life. And he meets Natasha Romanoff for the first time. And now, you know, we've talked about, especially in our Black Widow deeper dive, Natasha Romanoff to begin with is like the ultimate femme fatale Bond girl, right? The enemy Russian agent that will seduce the Western men. Um, She's not this, you know, fighting person. She's just... uh, Look at my amazing hair and my jewels and my décolletage, and won't you do anything for me? Uh, and Clint is like, "Yes, yes, I will. I will Who do anything for you." Wouldn't me? Mm, indeed. Yeah. And she leads him to her penthouse, and part of her penthouse is a very large kind of lab. And oh, she wow. says, "See all that stuff in there? Why don't we make you some badass arrows that can kill Iron Man?" <laughs> and, and and Clint is like, "Sounds brilliant. I mean." Admittedly, half an hour ago, I wanted to be a superhero, but yes, let's kill someone for you because <laughs> I think you're going to be great in bed. Um, yeah, and 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 she turns his head completely and twists him up, and she presents this idea that you know Tony Stark is a bad person, and Iron Man is just a bully protecting him, and we need to get these secrets, we need to you know corporate espionage and all of that, and. Clint battles Iron Man, beats him the first time, and then the second time uh, in the battle, Black Widow gets hurt, and Clint abandons everything to scoop her up and take her to hospital and save her life. Um, and that they go off together and they do they they fight Spider Man and they have some other little battles together and they be, they are I mean they are they are romantically involved but it's mm. entirely she has seduced him to control him that's the, that's the whole time that's going on um, 
Once uh, Black Widow gets more seriously injured, um, he separates from her, and he's like, "I don't want to. Do- I didn't sign up for any of this. A life of crime. A life of um, crime. I want to be a hero." Um, and I believe he tries to join the Avengers by kidnapping Jarvis the Butler. <laughs> he like it's a Avengers strong play. Come- it's a strong I know, play. Right? The Avengers come home and like someone's broken into the mansion and kidnapped Jarvis and like tied him to a chair. And they're like, who on earth would do this? And Hawkeye comes out of the shadows and he goes, it's me, guys. I'm just trying to say hello and I want to join you. Let me prove it. And then he draws like three arrows and fires all of them at Jarvis. And the first arrow cuts through the ropes on his feet. The second cuts through the ropes that are holding Jarvis's hands, and the third cuts through the the gag in his mouth, and he's like, look how good I am. (laughs) Surely I should join you. And Iron Man sponsors him. Iron Man's like, ah, in our last encounter, I know you had to change your heart, Mm. and I I know how tough you are, and you're saying you want to join us and a second chance and all of that. And also, I've seen the Black Widow, and she seduced me as well, so I know fully well what would happen here. She is hot stuff, boy. Yeah. Hot I can stuff. see how I can see how you'd end up being a KGB agent <laughs> because she flashed you some ankle. So he joins the joins the Avengers. Um, he kind of gets in there though, right at the end of the old regime, um, mm. because this is the time when all the major stars of the Avengers leave the comic. Iron Man um, and and Thor leave, and as does Giant Man, the Wasp. They've all got their own comics going on with. Oh wow! So they all leave. And the Avengers becomes new guy Captain America, who had only been around for a few issues. Oh, he was technically the new guy. Very much the new guy. Yeah, they find him. They find him in in the ice in the ice in issue. Um, I don't know, four or five or something. Yeah, and they have a couple of adventures together, and then all the he's not like the star and the natural leader of the team to begin with, and so Captain America is left as the only member of the of the older team. And on the team is going to be Hawkeye, who is only just, you know, he, he was a, he was a criminal. He was a KGB agent like five minutes ago, and uh, Wanda and Pietro, who were mutant terrorists five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> it's a very strange new lineup of the Avengers: Caps Kooky Quartet, as it was dubbed. Um, Caps that's Kooky one of those quartet. Quartets. That's that's one of those things that Stan Lee says. The fans have dubbed them Caps Kooky Quartet. No, Stan. No. The only person around here with a massive hard on for alliteration is you. I was, I was, I was, about, <laughs> I was about to say, like, I reckon he, he went, I've got an idea, boys. We call it Caps Kooky Quartet. And they went, No, no, we're not. And he goes, Okay. And then later he goes, Well, the fans have unofficially dubbed it that. So he gets to have his cake and eat it. Oh, there's an awful lot of, of things where. Yeah. Um, you'll read about the history of like we read about the history of Doctor Strange, and I think I yeah. worded it carefully because yeah. according to the only person speaking about it, Stan Lee says the fans demanded we have an origin story. Did they, Stan? <laughs> you just he's he's a he's a he's a promote he's a promotional marketing guy. You just can't yeah. take any of that for 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 truth when Stan says it. Bless him. Bless him. Um, yeah. Uh, Immediately, there's 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 you know fraction on the team. There's antagonism on the team, as there always was with the Avengers. But mm. um, Clint uh, 
has is hitting on Scarlet Witch and has feelings for her, and the whole is all like, "I'm gonna prove my, I'm gonna prove myself to you, babe. You're gonna see. I should be." And he wants to be the leader. He hates Captain America. Captain America and Hawkeye do not get on in the sixties at Ooh. all. They frequently argue and fight and bicker because, um, well, Hawkeye's very rebellious and he's the opposite of Steve Rogers, who is probably more by the book, but he's also like, you don't belong here, Grandpa. You're from the 40s. Um, I'm the natural leader. I'm cool and charismatic. His personality, when he's first a hero, mm. the 60s and in, into the 70s, he's Clint is a dick. He He's presented as brash like hot-headed he behaves almost like a reckless teenager like a little bit like johnny storm in the fantastic four yeah but more johnny's kind of lovable hothead and he's a kid and it's like he's out for fun like clint isn't kind of out for fun clint is so much of his motivation is like trying to look like the big hero trying to prove he's the best hero trying to prove he he should be the leader that he doesn't want anyone in the public thinking he you know he's a lesser hero he's second best he wants wonder to look at him and go and swoon and say oh what a hero like that's yeah that's his motivation which leads to all this antagonism in the in the very early days but he he becomes a stalwart member of the avengers after many roster changes he stays whilst pretty much everyone else comes and goes which in the, from the 60s to the 70s, that, that really cements Hawkeye mm. as like the classic Avengers member. Gotcha. Because everybody else really does come and go. I mean, Vision is another one, but but Hawkeye's kind of in there before Vision, and he outlasts him in many ways. So yeah, Hawkeye is really... He, it, this is the period of time where, even though he is brash and hot-headed and immature, he's seen as like the core kind of center of the team somehow he's just he's he's always there um he uh during some of the big battles he he actually abandons the hawkeye persona as we've talked about and he starts using some of hank pym's size changing particles to become goliath the giant super you know super strong avenger Mm. um but that didn't last too long and he quickly went back to the um to the bow and arrow. Um, it's like he got and, rid of everything that made Hawkeye Hawkeye. Yeah, it was very much because they were in the middle of a war. And yeah. he was, there were, there was, this is like the first Avengers cosmic event. That sounds like, oh, we, we, we got to like stop Doctor Strange being Doctor Strange because there's a war on. So we just gave him a gun. We just gave him no, a gun. <laughs> it, it, was, it was Hawkeye Hawkeye saying, we're in the middle of a war between two alien races. We're fighting like cosmic powered individuals and spaceships and stuff. And I've got a bow and arrow. Um, so he, he wanted to add more strength and power to the team. Mm. Um, he did during, you know, beyond this period of time, he, he got his first solo series. And he, uh, during this, he met a character, a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent called Bobby Morse, okay. who um, was an, a costume adventurer. Uh, she was an ex-S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. She wore a mask and a costume, and she was a, an adventurer, as it's styled, rather than a hero, called Mockingbird. Mm. Um, and they uh, start a relationship. They become a crime-fighting partners, and they eventually get married, um, Hawkeye and, and, and Mockingbird. 
Um, and this, so in the big battles that, that the Avengers had in that period of time, Clint really proves himself as yes, he's hot headed. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is immature and brash, but he's also, he, he proved himself as a selfless hero that, that is willing to make a sacrifice to save other people. Um, but he's still acting out quite quite a lot. He's still hitting on every single Avenger, female Avenger. Mm. Um, that is a big thing throughout the 70s as well. Every female Avenger, Hawkeye is always hitting on them. And it's kind of like like a Lothario that never gets anywhere. Like Tony Stark, like, you know, he's a playboy. But Clint, it's almost like he's, he's kind of, it's kind of a, there's kind of a creep, not creep particularly, but he's, he's, it's more of an utter nuisance. Yeah, he's, he's more annoying. Um, it wasn't until his first solo comic book series, uh, where he meets kind of Mockingbird, which is in the 1980s, early 80s, Mm. um, that's when his immatureness really starts to change. Um, writer artist Mark Grunewald, is the the first person to kind of give Hawkeye his his solo series, and he wrote Clint um, as a character who had matured, who had grown mm. up. He was much less antagonistic and out to prove himself and me, 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 and he became for the first time an everyman character. You know, um, a hero who fails, who screws up a lot, who knows he isn't the smartest or the strongest, but still doggedly pursues the right thing through to the end yeah and because he has a, a partner a significant other in in mockingbirds a lot of that annoyingly hitting on women thing just goes away because he he has someone that they they try even even in their 80s way they try a little bit to present them as equals yeah as much as anyone in the 80s sort of can really i guess <laughs> and their story spun off even further when Hawkeye and a Mockingbird, um, they I think they lost their home and they lost a lot of they lost a lot of good stuff that was happening in New York and they mm. left the Avengers and they travelled to the West Coast where Hawkeye and Mockingbird founded like another chapter, another yeah another chapter of the Avengers on the West Coast called the West Coast Avengers, um, and uh, that was a team that he put together with. Uh, Jim Rhodes as Iron Man, or was it Tony Stark to begin with? And uh, Tigra and and um, and Wonder Man and, and a bunch of others would come and go. But yeah, Hawkeye founded a team and Hawkeye led the team along with his with his wife. Um, and uh, the West Coast Avengers is very very fondly thought of and remembered by by fans of the of the eighties um, and some by the nineties when it had a re- had a res- a resurgence in the nineties not as um, West Coast Avengers but as the Avengers West Coast I don't know why <laughs> they did that but they did <laughs> Consultio um, Consultius he he um, he left that group he went back to the Avengers left that group bounced around. Yeah. Um, he ended up le- being leader of another team called the Thunderbolts. Okay, the that Thunderbolts, sounds hardcore. The Thunderbolts. Uh, Thunderbolts I'm, are on the move. Thunderbolts the th- are the loose. Thunderbolts were a team of. Let's let's stick with this bit because I I want to save the story for another day. A mm. team of reformed supervillains. Oh, hello. And Hawkeye was like, well. I get that because that's what happened with me, you know, right? I, yeah. I made big, big, big mistakes, 
but Iron Man sponsored me and helped me turn my life around. So anything he's so, a proto Thunderbolt. Sure, yeah. So so he ended up leading this team um in the in the nineteen nineties. Um as we enter into the two thousands, mm. like his kind of darkest moment came in something that we've we've talked about already. And our real fans, our real rock and rollers will know. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel when we've got our full length bonus episodes, we tackle the House of M. Oh, and as part of that, Jimmy. the intrinsic the intrinsic part of that is a, a storyline called Avengers Disassembled, where the Avengers are destroyed from within by Wanda Maximoff, who goes insane. And as part of her insanity and her destroying the Avengers, um she causes the Cree alien ship to attack the Avengers um, out of nowhere, and as part of that, Clint dies in a uh, he, he, his his sky cycle explodes. Oh, and, he has uh, a sky is... cycle. Yeah, I remember from the cartoon of Iron Man. Yeah, he has a sky cycle. Like back in the eighties, I think the seventies. Yeah. yeah, he's the first guy to have a sky cycle. Yeah, um, and he kind of rides it like a horsey or a motorbike <laughs> in the sky. Horsey. But one, yeah, Wanda, as she destroys the Avengers, she doesn't. She kills Vision, she kills Ant Man, and she kills Hawkeye, and that's the end of the Avengers. They they disband, they break up. Yeah, the death of of such stalwart members like Vision and Hawkeye is too much for Cap and Tony Stark to bear. They they blame themselves massively, and. Um, and that's the 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 end of the Avengers, and and that's kind of um, there's a little bit more to talk about, but that's where we that that's kind of yeah the the various ups and downs of Clint Bark Barton from the Marvel Universe six one six. But the big question, Will, big question, is the MCU is the MCU Hawkeye based on? That version of Hawkeye. I think, as I uh, mentioned way back in our Avengers episode, the MCU Hawkeye is not based particularly on the traditional, regular Marvel Universe Hawkeye. Okay. Um, the traditional Hawkeye is not a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., He's not a military guy. He's not good at following orders. He's terrible at following orders. He's immature. He's an everyman. He's got no friendship with Nick Fury. You know, all this kind of stuff. The The Hawkeye we see in the MCU that you're going to talk about in a little while is very, very different. And he's really based on the the version of Hawkeye from what's called the Ultimate Universe. Okay. In the in the early two thousands, Marvel um, launched a complete completely separate line of comic books, where they basically rebooted the Marvel universe um, in a in a different line of comics, separate um, timeline, separate universe, separate backstory and history, and kind of tried to give everyone a little level up in sophistication and modernity, um, and. As part of that, the Avengers were rebooted and had a brand new kind of start as a comic book series called The Ultimates. And The Ultimates were a very military-based version of the team that worked for Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D., very akin to how the Avengers start in mm. the MCU. Yeah. 
And that version of, of Hawkeye, he has no superhero costume, he has no mask, um, he is not a circus performer um who who you know learns he doesn't start out you know none none of that sort of stuff this version um is uh he's um well when he joins the ultimates the public the story the public get is he is an ex former olympic archer whose identity is hidden from the public but that's a a, a cover story concocted by nick fury to cover up the fact that this Clint Barton in the Ultimate Universe is a convicted murderer Ooh. that was awaiting the electric chair and Nick Fury recruits him directly from death row, has his death faked, and then he becomes um, Nick Fury's kind of pet assassin. Um, and it's kind of stated in these Ultimate comic books that to begin with, S.H.I.E.L.D. was nothing more than, like, a pipe dream Nick Fury had. And to begin with, S.H.I.E.L.D. was Nick Fury, Clint Barton, and an expense account. Ooh. As they just travelled around the world, like, executing and eliminating dangerous terrorists and stuff. Um, he, uh, during this, 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 sort of this time with S.H.I.E.L.D. is when he, he first encountered and formed a strong... Uh, work in partnership with the Black Widow, who is similar. She's an ex-KGB agent who then comes over and joins Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. Um, it is suggested in these comics, although never explained, it's suggested that Hawkeye uh, received some cybernetic upgrades whilst working with S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, hello. To his eyes, to to vastly improve his aim. Um and the ultimate version of Hawkeye, his powers, or his abilities, his skills, I shouldn't have some powers really, but his skills are much more in line with that of the Daredevil character Bullseye. Yeah, that you know, the villain, right. The yeah. villain who can turn anything into a weapon. So this, this version of Hawkeye has lethal accuracy and can kill you with a toothpick or a, or a playing card. Mm. Um, nothing like the regular... You know, superhero Clint Barton, who, you know, is a very good shot, but wouldn't, you know, that's not a part of his kind of setup. Um, and then Nick Fury puts together uh, a, a, a group of people who actually have full full blown powers. Iron Man has finally built the Iron Man suit. Uh, Captain America, they pull him out of the ice. Um, Hank Pym invents the the Giant Man serum. Um, Thor is discovered for the first time. And for a for a for a while at the start, um, they put the ultimates together, and it, it basically it's kind of suggested in this story that the the this is like the public face of the ultimates. Mm. You know, this team of 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 people wearing costumes, and they're they're meant to, they're all kind of like they're presented as, as like the new celebrities. That's really played heavily with in in it. They, they're on the they're on TMZ, they're on tabloid newspapers, <laughs> they're interviewed all the time they're real good-looking celebs and they engage in these very public spectacles like fighting the hulk in times square whilst nick fury hawkeye and black widow behind the scenes carry out all these dirty little secret black ops missions assassinating people that the public never know about (laughs) and we we basically it's alluded to that the um the superheroes are basically just a big flashy PR stunt 
that Nick Fury uses to secure billions of military funding that he funnels into his hit squads and his spies and his mm. surveillance tech. Um, lots of commentary <laughs> on the military-industrial complex going it's, on in the Ultimates. It sounds a bit like what happened in The Boys, where there's a lot of PR and money funneling. In the head of its time, yeah. Yeah, ahead of its head of um, time, yeah. And... Uh, it's also suggested that the because the first thing that brings the Ultimates together, their very first mission, is fighting the Hulk, uh, and Bruce Banner works for <laughs> Shield, and it's really suggested that Nick Fury massively manipulated the event to cause the Hulk to go on a rampage, so he could have this big, you know, uh, spectacle. I tell you what, um, it's, it's it's smart. I like that because it's it, it it goes away from that squeaky clean. Hey, we found these guys, and now we're friends, and we're going to fight crime together. It's more of a. It's, it's got that nice, realistic, cynical edge to it. Are we going to manipulate shift, public yeah. spectacle for our advantage so we get a better finance yeah. budget? That is, I like that. That is so on the money. No well, pun intended. Man, Roosevelt knew about Pearl Harbor ahead of time, mm-hmm. uh, but needed Pearl Harbor to happen so that he could galvanize the American support, political support, and actually get into the Second World War. Sacrificed um, a lot to uh, to try and go towards a greater good, he believed. There's a lot of... Anyway. That's um, another story. Yeah. The the ultimates in this story, the ultimates are, are eventually attacked systematically and, and one by one and betrayed by a number of people, including the Black Widow. And the Black Widow murders Hawkeye's wife and children. Oh, um, God. And this spent, sends him into a, a spiral of depression and yeah. rage where he becomes very dark, um, completely antisocial, psychopathic, and seemingly suicidal, becoming so reckless in combat, mm. you know, that he doesn't really care if he lives or dies. That's a darkness that regular traditional Hawkeye's never, never experienced. And it's something that we do see in the movies that we haven't covered yet. Um, so I think it's that is the version of Hawkeye that has been used in the MCU, toned down. Yeah. Um, I don't think they ever really got the way to say that he is an assassin in the MCU, but it's that version of Hawkeye. You know, he's not a circus performer. He's not... Um, he's not kind of reckless and he's not immature and he's certainly not very down in his look. But the big major um, influence on this Disney Plus series is a, um, a critically acclaimed Hawkeye series from 2012 by Matt Fraction and David Arger. Um, I'm sorry, already- Matt, Matt Fraction... Yeah, Matt Fraction and David Arger. That sounds like a name from Toast of London. The actor, (laughs) Matt Fraction. I believe it is a stage name, like most of them. (laughs) Um, They just finished an incredibly critically acclaimed role on Iron Fist, um, and this Mm. was the next series for them. Um, This series, Hawkeye, in, in 2012 and beyond, really focused on Clint as the everyman of the Marvel Universe, trying to build on what Mark Greenwald established in the 80s. Um, he's, it, it, it's about what Hawkeye does on his days off from the Avengers, mm. what he does when he's not a superhero. Yeah. So it, it focuses on Clint as like the perpetual screw-up, constantly falling ass backwards into trouble and chaos, you know, and his personal life getting torn up. I mean... In the story, it's very much about where Clint lives. It's about his particular area mm. of New York, and it's about 
the apartment building he lives in. He winds up having to defend all his neighbours from an organised crime outfit that want to drive the prices up, drive all the tenants out, and sell the building on to a big, you know, uh, construction company. Um, but it's also a lot of um, there's a lot of organised crime. There's a lot of um, as there's some espionage in it as well. Virtually every issue starts with Clint in some form of terrible life or death danger. <laughs> and the the first words uttered in every issue are, in the little narration box in his own thoughts, okay, this looks bad. <laughs> and, and then we kind of see what series of complete screw-ups have led to Clint being in this situation. Um, it... It was a daring series that took some big risks along the way mm. for for an action comic. One issue um, was dedicated and was redone at the last minute, was dedicated solely to show how Clint and his neighbours survived Hurricane Sandy. Oh. Um, no, no, no villains, no nothing. Mm. It was it was all about surviving Sandy and working together and the, the kind of communal, communal neighbourhood spirit. Mm. Um, another issue is told entirely from the point of view of Clint's dog with no dialogue. Um, wow. Because the dog can't understand English. So there are speech balloons, but the dog doesn't know what's being said. Oh, I like that. That is brilliant. The series, I mean, it blew everyone away. It was mm. not like anything else you'd read at the time, really. Um, it presented a much more sophisticated and modern version of, of Clint Barton. Um, he has a lot in common with the kind of classic hard-boiled detective characters. Um, he's always up to his neck in trouble. It's usually about a girl because he's a sap. He he doesn't know what's going on. He's usually being manipulated by a girl. Um and by always sticking up for the little guy, for the for the underdog, that's why he's always getting his ass kicked. Because he is not the strongest. He is mm. not the smartest. He can't, he's not, you know, he's not Batman, and he's not Iron Man, and he's not Cap. If, if, if six guys show up to beat him up, they might beat him up if they've got crowbars and knives and stuff. He's just a guy. He doesn't carry his bow and arrow around with him all the time. Um, Matt Fraction has said when talking about this series um, that he based his update on Hawkeye's personality and presentation on the 70s detective series, The Rockford Files. Ah, okay. On the detective, the, the, the main character there is Jim Rockford, played by James Garner. James Garner, actor. yeah. Rockford, Jim Rockford was kind of like the anti-James Bond. <laughs> Down on his look, not suave wasn't a genius detective like Sherlock Holmes, hated fighting, uh, but just couldn't like walk past someone in trouble, couldn't see an underdog get getting kicked around, and also you know couldn't say no to a pretty face, and so wound up getting <laughs> manipulated all the time. Like every great detective gets manipulated by the broad. Um, th- that was what was pushing this forward, um, and it's a really great spin on a character um, to see. Okay, on 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 Friday he put his costume on and he went to Avengers Tower and he got in the Quinjet and went off to fight Ultron. But what did he do the day after? And they very much had that, like Clint coming back battered and bruised from a fight in space or something, mm. to just go and sleep on his couch for two days and miss phone calls that ended up causing loads of problems in his life and 
And then he has to deal with, you know, petty thugs that are on the stoop across the road. And it's a really great series. Um, And we've got a copy of it to give away. Stay tuned for that. This series also gave us the absolutely joyful and brilliant and unique partnership between the two Hawkeyes, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. Yes, as Rob said, we have a Christmas giveaway. We're giving ho, ho, ho! <laughs> I know, he's like my own personal Santa. <laughs> Reach out and get presents. <laughs> it's the most awkward Depeche Mode reference I've ever made, and believe me, I have made a few Depeche Mode references in my time. Uh, we're giving away a copy of the critically acclaimed Hawkeye series that Rob has talked about that, that inspired the Disney TV show, uh, Hawkeye Omnibus by <laughs> Matt Fraction and others, <laughs> kindly donated to us by Rob's local comic book shop, Two Fat Goblins in Stafford, West Midlands. So if, you're, if you live in the UK, you can enter this competition uh, and we'll post the book out to you. All you have to do to win is, well, first of all, Follow us on the Twitter. That's at Marvel Versus. And uh, number two, send us a tweet about your favourite Marvel versus Marvel episode. We'll pick a winner right before Christmas Day, so you ha- you have an extra reason to celebrate uh, the most wonderful time of the year. It really is a great series. Um, Big thanks to Phil Vaughan of Two Fat Goblins Stafford in the West Midlands. Um, He has generously donated this. I mean, it's his idea. I did. He did. Hey, do you want to? He said, "Do you want to give away a copy?" Since you're doing that, epi- I tell him what we're up to. Is it? Do you want to give away a copy of that? Since you, you know, you're doing that. Oh, guy said, "Okay, that'd be cool." <laughs> and then said, "Phil, you do realise you don't have an online business that I can direct people to to help. You have for many years now refused to have an online shop." And he said, "No, yeah, just just tell him about my shop. <laughs> just tell him." So. <laughs> I, I'm 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 really sorry to uh, to uh, anyone that doesn't live in uh, the West Midlands. <laughs> um, I'd like to be able to direct you to Phil, and I want to say this about like Phil. Like I've been buying my comics from Phil for over 15 years. Mm. I've been buying them well, maybe longer than that. I've been buying comics from Phil since I was yui Okay. I don't want to say it's 20 years, because that's a long time, but it's been a while now. Um, since I was a wee teenager, I've been buying my comics from from Phil. He's been the comic book guy in town. Uh, you can find him in the Colonnade, Eastgate Street, Stafford. Two Fat Goblins. It's spelt T-O-O. Two. Two Fat Goblins. The Goblins are too fat. There's not two of them, but they're too fat. Um, reach out and find <laughs> them on, on Facebook. Two T-O-O Fat Goblins. Um, Stafford, give him a follow. I don't know why. Maybe you'll be in my neck of the woods one day. Um, sometimes you can see me in there buying my comics. Um, what a what a perhaps we could get together there that's, and that's have a an meeting, extra, a meeting ex- greet. Extra reason to visit that. You might catch Rob in his natural environment. He's got a great selection of uh, monthly comics. Um, he's got a great selection of the trade paperback collections of graphic novels, of um, role playing games, of board games, Warhammer. Paints and battles and figures and all, uh, as well as some cool collectible toys, merchandise, pop funkos. And now, whatever size uh, shop you're imagining, make it a lot smaller. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then eliminate daylight. (laughs) 
Um, sometimes when a fellow goes on a holiday, I actually run the shop for him very occasionally. That's always a, a weird week. Um, Usually when businesses send in uh, something, you're supposed to plug them in a nice way. I am, but it's a, it's a great place. I've been going there my whole place. life. There's no windows. There are windows. There are <laughs> windows. <laughs> it's tiny. There's no windows. And occasionally, I uh, I need to do, I need to work behind the counter. I sometimes, yeah, you can come in and get served by me occasionally. That's always a fun, fun week. When Will's off on himself, I get to watch the store sometimes. That's always a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, order, order anything in. I'm currently getting a whole... I'm currently getting Daredevil, um, um, Black Panther... And Spider Man mm. and Human Target and a bunch of other cool stuff from Two Fat Goblins, The Colonnade, Eastgate Street, and Stafford. Follow them on uh, on on Facebook uh, and Twitter, and and you can also enter our competition. You follow us at Marvel Versus. You send us a tweet about what your favorite episode is, and uh, and then we'll pick a winner, and we can uh, post out the Hawkeye. Uh, to you if you can enter from the uk we can't do it beyond that i'm I'm very very sorry speaking of plugging things will we we love these episodes we do i mean there's something special about doing pretty much four hours on the complete history of doctor strange about tackling some of the uncomfortable that's not a fun thing to do tackling some of the uncomfortable moments you find me a podcast that's going to tackle the uncomfortable Racial history of Doctor Strange. I'm not going to do that. They're going to say, the movie's good, another one's coming out, and we love it. Yay, MCU! 20 minutes, done. Right? That's what they're going to do. They're not going to go deep. They're not going to go hard. They're not going to dig for it. They're not going to confront uncomfortablenesses about Uncle Stan like we did. They're not going to deliver four hours on Doctor Strange. You know they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you the Marvel journey by going back and doing four hours or whatever we did on Superman because they don't think Superman is a part of this journey because they're wrong they don't know what they're doing <laughs> we know what we're doing we got a plan we put it in motion we we do the work we we put in the miles and we don't just do the work here we do the work on Patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel it's where you guys can contribute to us you guys who've been you've been enjoying us all year you've been enjoying ho 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 oh season of goodwill where's my goodwill where's my goodwill huh hello where's the goodwill i'm goodwill (laughs) where's the goodwill to will the goodwill to will and rob where is it because you've been enjoying this all year round and it's not cost you nothing but data and that's not how content works in the modern day and age, folks. You want us to still be here come Christmas 2022. you got to cough up them cheddar bills. You can do that <laughs> patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Not only will you keep the lights on, not only will you help us keep delivering great episodes like Four Hours on Doctor Strange, like A Deeper Dive into Hawkeye, like Man-Thing at Halloween, like Four Hours episodes on the phoenix saga but you will get in exchange for that second to none bonus content obscure marvel or spin-off show every month you get access to that no matter how much you pledge every month you get access to obscure marvel it's a very jolly one this month isn't it will very jolly very jolly indeed we took a look at a uh, an Xmas Christmas holiday special and uncovered <laughs> the most powerful 
mutant who's ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and we also look yeah. at how exactly uh, Banshee and Storm decorate a Christmas tree and the blob murders, nearly murders a child. Um, it's a it's heartwarming story. Everything you want from a Christmas story. Uh, regularly with obscure Marvel, we go back and we revisit some of the most obscure and ridiculous moments of Marvel history. Genuinely, Will, the other day... I was uh, I was waiting around for something. I had to go and get something and come back and prescription and stuff. You know what I put on? What I put mean? on the Swarm episode of Obscure Marvel. Oh yes, one of the funniest things we've ever made. One of I, the funniest things we've ever made. I I I I, I was howling. I think that might be howling. The, howling. I was howling at the Swarm, which does sound like an eighties metal band. Howling at the swarm. Last month, uh, and, 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 and and without, I mean, not, 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 not just the obscure Marvel, but every month we deliver our top-tier full-length bonus episodes where we take a big, meaty Marvel story and we, uh, we digest it for you via Will's stomach. Uh, mm. It was 1602 in November, the story of the Marvel Universe unfolding uh, in the in the year 1602 with the Spanish Inquisition and Queen Elizabeth and King James and the, uh, the, uh, the, the new founders of the new world in the Americas. This month, we're going to talk about Kate Bishop on this episode. Kate Bishop, you know, Hayley Steinfeld, all over the new Disney Plus Hawkeye series. Perfect opportunity for us to visit the Young Avengers over on Patreon. Our bonus episode in the month of December is Young Avengers, Kate Bishop's origin. The Avengers have split up. It's a time when there are no Avengers. So if that's the case, why is there a team of kids parading around New York looking like teenage versions of the Avengers? Iron Lad, Hulkling, Asgardian, Giant Girl... Who are these kids? Is this just a Teen Titans ripoff? And what the hell has this Marvel comic book got to do with the 2000s teen soap opera, The O.C.? <laughs> we get into it this month with Young Avengers. The Young Avengers came out of nowhere and became one of the most popular comic books Marvel had ever had. We've got the full story. Will you really enjoyed this one? I did. It was very. It, it, there were there were a few twists in there that were quite memorable. Twists and turns along the way. I think probably if you're listening to this, one of your favourite MCU villains or characters of all time will appear in this story. Um, a little secret twisty turny thing for you to enjoy and look forward to. That's over. That's available right now on Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. You listen to this episode, you want to know more about Kate Bishop, we're going to talk about her. You've got to head over and find out what the Young Avengers are all about, why they're so popular, why they were so cool, um, and, and all their, their incredible first story and first adventures. Um, and there's so much. It, it feeds. It even leads into, it feeds off the uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier series as well. There's that touched on elements of that. So much to get into a bigger part, and we do a full-length bonus episode every month on Patreon, as well as the Obscure Marvel mini-episode every month. It's a whole lot of bang for your buck. Head on over to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. Well, we have uh, set part of the table 
I'm lost. The format changes with these deeper dives, and I kind of go off onto the old route. I don't want to do that because it's not quite the same. We're taking a deeper dive into specifically Hawkeye. Um, we've we've laid a lot of the table though with uh, with his comic book history, and we've also uh, paid some bills. Shout out Peter J, Mikey W, and Zach Thomas, the three biggest names you need to remember. Uh, when you talk about contributors to this podcast, when you talk about people that support us and people that support you, and those guys are paying above and beyond to make sure that this these episodes come out and that you all get to enjoy them. I mean, it's a little bit selfish of you guys, if you ask me, but uh, very selfless of those guys at the Christmas time, showing their Christmas spirit. Peter J, Mikey W, Zach Thomas, shout out to them. Those are the ones that truly matter. We've uh, given you details of our Christmas giveaway. Um, it's now time for Will to take a very special kind of in-depth look at just the Hawkeye we have seen so far on our Marvel journey, which takes us, of course, right away, the start of the MC through MCU up to uh, Doctor Strange. So, Will, I guess press press a selected play button. A selected uh, truncated play button. <laughs> so, when we first meet Clint Barton in the movie Thor, he is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent assigned to protect the mysterious Molnir object at a research facility that has been constructed around the hammer. When a depowered Thor breaks into the facility and is able to fight off a platoon of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, Barton takes up position in the crow's nest high above the ground. Although he's ordered to arm himself with a gun, Clint chooses instead to take his bow and arrow with him. Clint has a clear shot on his target but is ordered to stand down while S.H.I.E.L.D. observes how Thor interacts with Molnir. So how do we uh, feel about this This first... It's a little bit It's a little bit more than a cameo. Well, yeah, probably a it, cameo really, isn't it? Well, it, yeah, obviously it turned into, into a cameo. It was, it was more like an Easter egg, it felt like. Like, oh, this is... this is this. Is, I don't know. It's, a, it's awkward to place because, it, because he wasn't actually officially cast, was he? They didn't say, oh, by the way, here's Hawkeye. They didn't credit him. They didn't credit yeah, him. That not was, in the credits. Yeah, not in the credits. Yeah, it, the, my, my, my first glance is a man who picks up a sniper rifle and goes, nah, I'm going to take the... I think it was a Barrett 50 caliber sniper rifle, which is designed to, to shoot car engines. And he went, no, too much. I'm going to take the bow and arrow. <laughs> that, that could be affected by wind. Affected by wind, and it's raining outside. <laughs> I, he's about to shoot a god. Yeah, and it, it, all I could think was at that moment: "Ah, oh, this guy's confident. <laughs> this guy, this guy is beyond confident." I, I did not feel positive about this at all. Why? Back when Thor first came out, we didn't really have the MCU as we know. We hadn't had Avengers yet, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. And so, I'd enjoyed Iron Man and Hulk a lot. I, I'm I'm in the middle of this Thor movie. I'm not sold on it yet. Mm. Didn't really it wasn't. I didn't really enjoy the Thor movie particularly. It was okay. It was pretty. It was pretty. pretty it was all right. This appearance of a guy that to me is not Hawkeye. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, it's only upon reflection when you see a bit more of him mm. in Avengers that you go, "Oh, okay, they're they're kind of doing the ultimate version of of Hawkeye." Is to it, me, is this, this like was the, the X Men when you see the X Men in the first film and they're all just wearing black leather. The, the huge part of that, yeah, yeah. The first, this is the first hero we see, superhero that is not wearing, that does not look, it just looks so drab and dull and boring, mm. and 
I honestly, it honestly felt, this is so such a weird thing to say, and I've been trying to put together why it's there in my head, but it felt to me like when I was a kid, there were the old Lou Ferengo TV movies of the Hulk. Yes. In one of those TV movies, there was The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which featured Matt Murdock as Daredevil. Oh. But their version of Daredevil was just a guy wearing black, like drab, dull, just like a black stock body stocking <laughs> and a black like like mask that came down half his face. And it wasn't it was not really Daredevil. Mm. And there was it just it just felt to me like they were Oh, we can just make kind of anyone like it I didn't even think it was gonna get a full character. It was just like, hey guys, here's a little wink for you, bow and arrow. And that was Hawkeye. Come back in a couple of uh, years time and we might show you another superhero. It just felt ah, it felt really drab. I, I just it it left me with a very big sour taste in my mouth. And I wonder if that might be one of the big reasons why I'm so down on this movie. <laughs> maybe maybe it was like, uh, if you're a video gamer, what we saw was a black silhouette of Hawkeye, and then EA turned around and said, if you want Hawkeye, you've got to pay two ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't even just the car. Co- I can get past the fact that, oh, he's not wearing a costume yet. He hasn't got it. It was the fact that his he just didn't have any Hawkeye personality. He didn't have any personality. Yeah, I was about to say he had no personality. He was literally well. I mean, Jeremy uh, Renner for you. That's just, well, yeah. Ah, oh, he's I don't know. He's cheeky, I guess. Where do we go next on our uh, on our Hawkeye journey? Hawkeye journey. Years later, at a remote shield facility where physicist Dr. Eric Selvig is leading a team experimenting on the Tesseract, the artifact suddenly activates and opens a wormhole, allowing Loki to reach Earth. Loki steals the Tesseract and uses his scepter to enslave Selvig and other agents, including Clint Barton, to aid him. After Ooh. Now, at that stage, yeah. at that stage, I am immediately like, oh, I really like this. Mm. Because it felt like, oh, this is such a good way of getting a boring, drab, like, n- n- no, nobody's shield agent and dragging him into this wild world of the avengers like I, I, I at that point in that movie when it possessed the clint barton hawkeye guy even though he's not hawkeye or whatever the hawkeye guy not he's not hawkeye Hawk, yet. Hawk guy you know in the yeah. matt fraction um in the matt in the matt fraction series all his neighbors call him hawk guy because nobody knows who he is they don't get his name right well because he has the hawk, like, yeah, hawk, he? hawk guy does he actually have whatever a hawk? your name is sorry does he have a hawk then or something why do they call hawk guy because his name is hawkeye but and no one knows just, who he is. So they call him Hawk Guy. Well, no, everyone knows who he is. Oh. They just what I'm saying is he's not a very famous Avenger. He's the oh, least famous Avenger, right. and they're like that Hawk Guy, whatever his name is. Yeah. So everyone calls him Hawk Guy. Okay, sorry, I thought you meant like that. That sounds like they don't know who he is, or you know. Anyway, I got confused. <laughs> you thought he had a hawk. Then I realized a pet hawk. That's not. That's the other one. That's that's uh, Snap Wilson. <laughs> Snap Wilson. So yeah, as soon as this bit was happening at the start of Avengers, I was like, mm. I now really like the direction of what of what they're doing with with this character. I I could see so many ways this is going to open up into him joining the Avengers. See, I just I saw that and think, oh, so this is a bad guy. I had no idea he's supposed to be a hero. And then when it came round to Age of Ultron, of course, I was like, I was like, oh, okay, I see what they did there. Anyway. 
After Loki is captured and held prisoner on board S.H.I.E.L.D.'s helicarrier, Clint leads Loki's possessed agents in an attack on the helicarrier. During the ensuing battle, Black Widow is able to knock Barton unconscious, breaking Loki's mind control. Loki escapes after killing Agent Coulson, and Nick Fury uses Coulson's death to motivate the Avengers into working as a team. Clint confesses to his old friend Natasha that he feels huge guilt over the lives he took and the crimes he committed under Loki's control. He joins her and the rest of the team to try and wipe away that guilt. I've got red on my ledger. He read, yeah. <laughs> you read it on his ledger, did he, about what he did? What? Sorry, what you, you said what read on his ledger, what? That's the, sorry, that's the, that's like a fame, that's kind of like a very quotable line from that conversation. Yeah. Um, Natasha talks about the guilt from what she did as a KGB agent, mm. and she said, I've got red on my ledger, well, which red, means yes. I'm in debt morally, guilt-wise, yeah. ethically, I am in debt. I've got to... I've got to balance the books in terms of what I owe and what I give back. That's a, I've still got red in my ledger. Which film? What that was? That this film was it? That was that's that conversation I've just had in, in Avengers. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. You could. T- I was about to say that does sound like uh, a Josh Whedon. It's line. a very Josh Whedon. Yes, line, very yeah. Josh Whedon line. Really smart and really smart. snappy. Yeah. So when Loki uses the Tesseract in a wormhole generator, uh, Selvig built to open a wormhole and flood New York with the alien Chitari fleet. Clint joins S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers in battling back against the invasion. Barton is given the important task of being the key, the team's uh, eye in the sky, going to higher ground, observing the invasion, and feeding all that information to the Avengers. From the top of various skyscrapers, Hawkeye shoots down, attacking Chitauri with his high-tech explosive arrows, and relays tactical information to the rest of the team. Displaying a mastery marksmanship, Hawkeye uses a single arrow to disable a Tatari ship, which in turn crashes into and destroys one of the huge Leviathan monsters. When Loki enters the battle, Hawkeye immediately spots him and shoots him down, firing an explosive arrow that destroys Loki's miniship and sends him crashing into the path of the Hulk, playing a pivotal role in the ending the Battle of New York. I... Could not have imagined a better way of using a regular Hawkeye guy character Mm. in this big super battle. This, to me, should have shut down completely and forever the deeply annoying trope that you hear from people going, oh, what's he even going to do? He's only got arrows. Watch the movie. Watch the movie. I thought it was the most brilliant use of his skill, his human skills. Okay, you go up really high and you, mate, are directing traffic. Tell Thor where he needs to go. Tell Cap what he needs to know to tell Thor to do. Tell, get them everything because you've got the best eyes in the business. He's like a scout pathfinder kind of role, isn't he? That's what he's doing. And and yeah, and and on top of that, I I was blown away by this scene where mm. he uses he he doesn't just shoot down a Chitari mini ship. He turns that mini ship into a bigger arrow. He fires <laughs> one arrow, hits, you know, hits a part of this ship and sends that as a bigger arrow and boom takes out a whole leviathan. I was like this you couldn't I was just so impressed with that and and I never felt like subsequent depictions of him in battle 
ever did it as justice as this. Mm-hmm. This was he had so many big moments, you know, so many big contributions. Especially as soon as Loki appears, boom, he spots Loki, he takes him out immediately, <laughs> and and then Hulk, you know, finishes the and gets that big moment everyone loves. I I, I just this is a, such a a brilliant way of. I think if anything, like Black Widow had the the harder time, kind of kind of justifying her presence in this in this battle i was about to say it's it's like oh here we actually have someone using their powers in a way that's not typical you think uh, immediately think oh he just fires arrows oh no he's actually really good at a spotter and a coordinator while black widow who's more as you say he's she's good at infiltration and deception it's like doesn't get to do any of this yeah aside from like iron man 2 and the very very start of avengers when it's nothing to do with the the mission She doesn't get to do any espionage stuff until, and even when even in Black Widow, there's not a huge amount. There's a little bit of infiltration. Yeah, but, but infiltration yeah, of by jumping down been, from a helicopter with an A12 shotgun and taking out various prison guards. She should have been going undercover as a yeah. mind-controlled member of Loki's team. That would have been. That would. Have been I, I just good. as soon as she is, I just could not understand that. Then anyway, what did you think about? Hawkeye in, in in the in this movie. See, see, all I could think was Legolas. I know that 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 remark's been made actually in the film. You know, Tony Stark jokingly calls him. I don't know if it's this film or another one. He goes jokingly calls him Legolas. I just all, all I can see is someone who's very swift and really quick with firing arrows. Don't get me wrong, great, but I, I'm just seeing Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Okay, <laughs> he did his job. It was great, but that's the style I could see here. Cool. Cool. Okay. Where do we go next? Where do we go? Years later, Hawkeye and the Avengers attack a Hydra facility in Sokovia in an attempt to retrieve Loki's powerful scepter. However, Barton is seriously injured by the superpowered speedster Pietro Maximoff and a Hydra weapon. Taken out of the fight, Hawkeye is taken back to Avengers Tower where he is healed by Dr. Helen Cho and her experimental new procedure of regrowing human tissue. I thought that was going to play a part later on in the plot, and it didn't. What did you think was going to happen? Well, it, no, I don't know. I just thought something would something. I mean, I know it was. It I, I didn't. Did. It, it was simply just introducing that she's got this machine. I thought something involving Hawkeye was it was going to the procedure, yeah. or I just thought it was going to play a bigger significance. Um, I think, yeah. It, yeah, it was just just there to go. By the way, she can make skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I've got a skin machine. That that'd be a more sinister thing to call. Hello, it. I'm Doctor Helen Cho, and this is my skin machine. <laughs> it's like ew. Anyway, uh, Clint attends the Avengers celebratory party. Celebratory, 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 celebratory party. Well, you can uh, you can allegedly pronounce it however you want, but I like celebratory. Celebratory. Yeah. Clint attends the Avengers celebratory party where he is introduced to James Rhodes and Sam Wilson. After a few drinks, Clint is one of the many who try and fail to lift Molnir. Moments later, Clint witnesses the birth of Ultron, a terrifying and unhinged artificial intelligence given life by a combination of Loki's scepter and the technology of Tony Stark and Bruce Banner. Ultron immediately attacks the Avengers before escaping the tower and going on the run. In Johannesburg, Hawkeye and the Avengers track Ultron down and try to stop him, but Ultron has recruited new allies. 
The Hydra created super beings Pietro and Wanda are now fighting by his side and Wanda is able to use her abilities to warp the minds of every Avenger on the team except for Hawkeye. Out of control, the Avengers nearly kill each other and their dangerous infighting makes them public enemy number one. Now, I thought, again, <laughs> that mm. this was a... Hawk, like a, 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 She like ignores, she doesn't bother controlling Hawkeye. Yeah. She can't, I thought that was going to play a part. I thought there was going to be this moment where like the everyman that's overlooked and ignored because he doesn't have powers is going to be like, oh, mind controlling all the super gods, are you? Then I can do this. Or, or it was going to be because he was mind controlled by the scepter before, it doesn't work on him now, and da da da. And it was just another thing that, again, both, I was just kept, wait, what are they going to do with Hawkeye in this movie? And the answer is not a lot. It's, yeah, it does. Do you know what? This feels like, I never noticed this. There's a lot of red herrings here. Not red herrings. Yeah. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. What, no, I don't know. Like, 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 like threads that could have been led to something but didn't. They feel a bit, mm. Yeah. Okay. I wonder whether the, the the original script is a lot longer and bigger and features a bunch of stuff that they just well we can't have all of this stuff. Yeah, get rid we of can't it. do that yet. In need of a hideout, Clint takes the defeated Avengers to a place describes as a safe house, but is immediately revealed to be his family home, a secluded farm with acres of land. For the first time, the Avengers learn that Clint has a happy family life. They meet his pregnant wife Laura and their children Cooper and Leela. While most of the Avengers are shocked to discover that Hawkeye is a regular person, it's clear that the Black Widow is a regular visitor as she plays with Hawkeye's children. It's at Clint's farm that Nick Fury arrives and is able to motivate the team to pick themselves back up and make a plan to stop Ultron. Hawkeye, Black Widow and Captain America travel to Seoul to stop Ultron from uploading his network into a vibranium body powered by the Mind Stone. They succeed, but the Black Widow is captured Hawkeye transports the new synthetic person back to the Avengers Tower and is also able to track Natasha's location to the European country of Sokovia. The Avengers and their new ally Wanda, Pietro and the Vision race to Sokovia to stop Ultron. There, Hawkeye reunites with the Black Widow and joins the intense battle against Ultron's army of robots. During the fighting, Wanda is overwhelmed by all the danger and retreats into an abandoned building. Clint gives her a pep talk about all the people that need their help and convinces Wanda to get back into the fight and join the Avengers. As Sokovia is being evacuated, Hawkeye spots a small child lost and alone at the mercy of Ultron's forces. Hawkeye races to save the child as Ultron turns his guns on them. But at the very last moment, both the child and Hawkeye are saved by the superfast Pietro who throws himself in front of the hail of gunfire and dies. After the battle, Clint goes into retirement and returns home, where he and Laura name their newborn son Nathaniel Pietro Barton, in honour of Natasha and Pietro. Is Nathaniel the, a male version of Natasha? I never well, what do you thought think of that it is? before. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm saying I've never, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think, I don't really think names have male and female versions but i think i just do. thought that thought was they, a weird I thought, they, I thought that was a weird thing to say oh yeah you know nathaniel the male name for natasha yeah, I, I think it when we just went oh what's the nearest thing n-a-t nah it's just nah yeah nats now nah, oh yeah nah, th- there we go a year later clint barton is recruited into ca- 
onto Captain America's team while he's on the run from the authorities for going against the Sokovia Accords, alongside Wanda Maximoff, Ant-Man and the Falcon. However, Stark assembles a team composed of War Machine, Black Widow, Black Panther, Vision and Spider-Man to capture the Renegades. Stark's team intercepts the Rogers team at an airport, where a huge fight breaks out. During the fight, Hawkeye battles the new Black Panther, his old friend Black Widow, and executes a brilliant tactic of firing Ant-Man into Iron Man's armor to neutralize his weapons. The battle rages until Natasha allows Captain America and Bucky Barnes to escape. As Cap and Bucky are escaping, War Machine is inadvertently shot down by Vision and becomes partially paralyzed. The rest of Roger's team is captured and detained at the Raft Prison for breaking international law. In the aftermath of his battle against Iron Man, Cap breaks Hawkeye and his allies out of the Raft to go on the run. Yeah, he doesn't really do much in, in, in Age of Ultron, does he? No, he. Uh, I, 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 I like the knowing wink at the camera. It goes, I've got a bow and arrow, we're fighting giant, ro- we're fighting flying robots, none of this makes sense. I like. Yeah, I, I love that knowing line. But okay, you didn't like it, did you? you didn't like that not, knowing no, line? No, not really. No, 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 no. You don't like fun. You don't like. No, I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like pulling down the walls of the internal logic you've set up. Like, don't tell me what I'm watching doesn't mean anything. I'm watching it. No, <laughs> I'm trying to invest. That's self awareness. <laughs> it's self awareness. Yep. Save it for Deadpool. Save it for the twenty-five-year-olds that like Deadpool. Don't bring it to the. Jeez. Don't bring it to the main event. That's Come on. so specific. Twenty-five-year-olds and I save like it for it. the Rick and Morty fans. Don't bring it to the main <laughs> event. Come on. This is the Avengers. This is the show. Come on. Yeah. No, you, you're absolutely. Uh, uh, hey, I like it, but you, 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 you're right. You're right. Upon reflection, um, I we should have realised that uh, Hawkeye wasn't going to be the Whedon character killed at the end when he didn't get to do anything good or or impactful or emotional really and it, well, he didn't no that's not true he's got the whole family scene that's why you think he's going to die yeah. as soon as i saw the family farm i genuinely thought ah oh, hawkeye's going to die <laughs> yeah cuz like the previous avengers been, film someone someone died well we've just been down this route with Whedon before yeah uh, you know he likes yeah people. the first avengers movie firefly mm. uh, buffy any of these things um he likes to use a death in a particularly good way um particularly kind of sh- i don't know if shocking is right the right term it's not like game of thrones where they kill 12 characters an episode um in the first two parter of uh, the introduces the the kind of the pilot for mm. buffy they introduce like the main group of teen friends at the school mm. and one of them uh gets kind of shock like one of them gets shockingly killed and turned into a vampire um but he works very hard to set up this person as no 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 they're going to be a regular cast member just so we can kind of kill them at the end of the first episode and uh, he he looks into how expensive it would be to create a brand new title sequence for just the first episode oh. that included that actor oh. as a regular ca- cast member, but oh. so that it was a big shock when they die at the end clever. of the first episode. But it was just too expensive to do, um, and so it's pretty obvious who's surviving and who isn't. Sadly, yeah, that I, that, I like that. I like that effort. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm also. I don't really. 
I'm not sure. <sighs> yeah, I, I, the, the problem with the Sokovia Accords and all of that being the you know we we we've done hours and hours on the on the Civil War. We've got a big fat bonus episode as well as our four hour main show. You know, the superhero Civil War in the Marvel comics is all about registering your identity and working for the government or not clearer lines are drawn mm. i think hawkeye would be a guy that would agree with the sokovia accords you really think so yeah of course um he's just he's a, you know he's a government bootlicker isn't he <laughs> like yeah yes captain sir uh, but then i think his tornness is in that captain america who is a military man says let's do this and i think yeah i can see him on either side really no 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 if if captain america was the one agreeing with the Sokovia Accords, and Tony Stark was on the other side. Sorry, the free, enterprising, private, reckless guy. Yeah, you'd understand. He, you'd understand. He might just hate Tony Stark. Yeah, you'd just be like, you'd be like, no, the, the option here is absolutely clear. How do you uh, feel about Hawkeye then at this point, after Civil War and stuff? I, I see him as someone who isn't the first person that comes to mind, but he's built himself up a fair bit that you go, hey, that's Hawkeye. He's, uh, he, he's good as part of an ensemble. I can't imagine him on his own, but I'm sure he can take care of himself, but I wouldn't, you think, ah, I don't know if I could watch a film of that. Yeah. I think the, the family scene really helped us invest in him a lot more. Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, it, it feels like out of all of them, he has the one thing they don't have, a normal home life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I guess before we kind of uh, head into our last break and kick off things, uh, without giving any spoilers about where we go in the journey beyond Civil War, were you excited to learn about Hawkeye TV series? Do you know, I will eat anything the MCU throws at me, like the shameless, <laughs> gluttonous, oh dear. Uh, bearded pig I am. And when I, but I'd say when I saw Hawkeye, they're doing a Hawkeye. That's a new T-shirt. We've got to get you a T-shirt. Like, Will what? Preston, the shameless gluttonous pig that I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's the the feeding trough known as Phase Four and Disney Plus. Uh, basically, I I we've got so much choice with Disney Plus TV series. There's so many that were announced. It's like, oh, by the way, there's going to be a Hawkeye Hawkeye TV series. I was like, that'll be fun. I'll watch that. That'll be fun. It's the potatoes as- next to the meat. As soon as I saw that Kate Bishop was going to be in it and the colour scheme and the logo were all taken from the Matt Fraction, David uh, Ayer series, I was very excited because one of my favourite uh, series, which, of course, you can win in our Christmas competition. Yes. Full details at the end of the show again. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was on board. Thank you, Will, for that uh that deep dive into uh, Hawkeye so far on our MVM Marvel journey. We've got you've got questions um, based on what you've seen um, of the uh, of the Marvel of the Marvel Disney Plus series. These are going to be spoiler light. We, we, I mean, if you if you're dead set against knowing anything, like even what what the main cast of characters are, then I guess you might want to skip this. But we're really not going to be giving tons away. Will's gonna like everyone knows there's a character called Kate Bishop in it. Uh, 
because that's what's been advertised. So Will is then going to say, hey, who's this character from the comics? And that's what I'll be talking about. So we're not going to be giving away uh, really much of anything about the actual Disney Plus series, but we're going to progress through. That being said, what I talk about from the comic books may give away, that might link to what they're going to do with this character. I might say that taxi driver is actually the villainous hooded taxi driver. Who does do a murder? You could then but, listen to uh, on Obscure Marvel. <laughs> yeah. But of course they might not. I mean, they might not do anything. Like, they, 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 Hawkeye isn't quite like the Hawkeye from the yeah. comics. So who knows how things will go. Um, but we'll take it away with your questions. Right. Okay. First of all, let's, let's, let's get the meat uh, away from the potatoes here and slice it up. <laughs> who is Kate Bishop and what role does she play in the comic books? You can find out all about her very first story in our in our bonus episode this month on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. She's introduced in a comic book series called Young Avengers. And she's introduced at a time when Hawkeye is dead. Oh. Killed by Wanda during the Avengers Disassembled event, which you can hear about on our Patreon in our House of M episode. Um, we got it all, oh, baby. Yeah. So, Clint's dead and the Avengers are no more, disbanded. Um, And during this time, we were introduced to a character called Kate Bishop, child of an affluent, um, very affluent, very influential, but emotionally distant family. From a young age, Kate, you know, throws herself at learning loads and loads and loads of physical martial arts and, and, and skills. So she's highly skilled at like archery and, 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 and fencing and swordsmanship and jujitsu and gymnastics. And she's really, you know, national champion at all this kind of stuff. Um, and she's a part of this Young Avengers story, which you can find out more about. And she kind of, she proves herself not just in combat, uh, not just in, in kind of saving the day, but also in standing up to Captain America. She shouts at him in front of people. <laughs> Kate Bishop is not a um, a shrinking violet, as they used to say many decades ago. She's not like a meek character at all. Captain America is wrong about something, and Kate stands up and tells him and shouts at him, telling him how wrong he is. And after doing that, Cap gives her... Clint's old bow and arrow set and personally asks Kate to carry on the name Hawkeye in honour of of his old dead friend, Clint, saying that the only other person that ever stood up to me and shouted at me like that was Clint. (laughs) So you've got his fire in you. So here's his bow, here's his stuff. You know, you're Hawkeye now. I want you to do it. Um... Clint then, as heroes are wont to do, does come back from the dead. Um, and he comes back and he does actually have an interaction with Kate, but he doesn't tell her who he is and she's never seen him without the mask on. So they do have a brief interaction and he's kind of thinking, am I going to go and get my bow back and um, take my bow off her and say, what the hell are you doing? Don't use my name. But he actually just kind of, really kind of like like i don't know if likes her is the he he like respects mm. her so he doesn't do that and he doesn't have much more interaction with her from that point on he just lets her be 
Um, and then when he decides to, you know, come back as Hawkeye, he does speak to her and say, we'll both be Hawkeye. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, she, she is Hawkeye. And in, in the Matt Fraction, David, uh, Arger series, that the TV series, the Disney Plus series, is based on, that Hawkeye comic is almost as much about Kate Bishop as much as it is about Clint. Um, it's about Hawkeye. It's not a, It's not called Clint, Clint Barton. It's called mm. Hawkeye, right? Matt Fraction in interviews has said that about Kate and Clint in his series, it's very Avengers. And by Avengers, I mean... Steed and Peel. Ah, there um, we go. Referring to yeah. the to the uh, classic British spy series, the, the Avengers, why, which had Emma Peel and John and Steed. The reason why in this country we, said, like we call right, the film Avengers Assemble, so it doesn't get confused. Ah, right. So he said it's 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 Steed and Peel, rather than anything romantic, sexual, or anything else. Not mentor mentee, mm. but not quite peers mm. either. I loved writing Kate and Clint and Kate. Um, in the Young Avengers... Oh, sorry, he's talking about something else he did. Um, I wanted to get back to that and introduce Kate Bishop as the one woman in Clint's life he wouldn't entertain thoughts of sleeping with. Um, and that's key to the series as well. Clint is faced with a female <laughs> that he does not want to sleep with or wouldn't ever think about that. That's new for Clint. Um, Fraction said, I wanted a steed and peel... At the steed and peel of them at the heart of the book. I love writing them together. I love that at no point have they had to have an old-fashioned dick-measuring contest about who gets to be Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I love I love that it's a non-sexual male-female relationship, yes. that it is that it's uh, not a mentor-mentee relationship. Who is the mentor and who is the mentee on any given day could change. Between the two of them, they're a whole person. Um, <laughs> like that. Two of them together, yeah. they're just about mm. all right. Um, that is a key, key, key difference in what we've seen on the screen to in the comic. In the comic, Clint is the absolute screw-up that Kate generally has to kind of come to the aid of. Um, Kate is dealing with being bored a lot and needing some guidance mm. but at the same time knowing that clint barton is the last human being you'd ever ask for guidance <laughs> his life is a mess so it is not the case of here i come to teach you how to be a hero that is not in this comic um which is really cool to see considering kate is a you know a young female yeah. character which is a young character of any kind you're instantly thinking oh sidekick that is just not done um Kind of almost midway through the series, Kate like has had it with Clint in his life, and she leaves New York and she heads out to LA, like really following the hard boiled detective kind of uh, tropes of saying something in LA. Um, and she has her own adventures um, on the on the West Coast, much like freaking Clint did in his most famous period of time. Um, and then the Hawkeye book the comic book alternates. So one issue follows Clint in New York. The next issue follows Kate in LA and they do that for a period of time, um, which is really cool. It really um, is a great way of kind of displaying the differences and the similarities and they bring them back together. And it's just a, 
yeah, she's a major feature of this book, and she's maybe never been written better. I, who who plays her in the uh, in the TV show again? Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, Steinfeld I or whatever. I'm such a huge fan of her, and this she she's great. She's fantastic. Great. She's fantastic. The only, the only she's other great. thing I saw her in, and I didn't watch it all the way through, which I'm kicking myself about, was the the Coen Brothers remake of True Grip. She's uh, yeah, she's, that, she yeah. really. She was like, wow, she's playing a really good character here. And she had a successful pop career as well with some no way. slightly spicy singles and stuff, you know, young pop people. She's ticking yeah. off all them boxes, Rob. She's ticking off. Her, she, her Patreon must be incredible. Uh, <laughs> right, mate. Uh, okay, next question. Is Hawkeye deaf in the comic books? <clears throat> yes. Good. Okay. Um, so... It first, in in publishing terms, it first comes up at the end of that 1980s um, Hawkeye limited series, his first his miniseries, the first time he got his own show, his own series, um, by Mark Grunewald. It's, it's very worth picking up. Um, Hawkeye and his new love interest, Mockingbird, get captured by some bad guys, and the bad guys have a plan to kill the Avengers. Um, and so his plan is he's going to kill Hawkeye, mm. and then when the Avengers come to Hawkeye's funeral, he's going to kill mm. them. Like, he wants to gather them all in one place where they'll be taken off guard. So he's like, Hawkeye's funeral! That's the best place to kill everybody. So you kill the, 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 the you know, the one with no powers first, and then gather them all mm. together. He's got this brainwashing machine that makes people go nuts. Ooh. Like... V- and like 28 days later, nuts, just rage, kill everyone around yeah. you, right? So he, he has captured Hawkeye and Mockingbird, and he turns this brainwash rage machine on, and they go ballistic and start beating the hell out of each mm. other. Um, but because this, this bad guy who's called Crossfire, mm. because he's a, a proper villain, he doesn't want them to just kill each other. He wants them to know what they're going to do. So he turns it off so they can come to their senses and see what they're doing to each other. The fact that they, these guys love it, you know, are, are falling in love as well, and now they are killing each other. And he's like, yeah, you're going to make you... This is what you've done. This is what you did to your, your girl. This is what you did to your guy. Now I'm going to turn it back on and kill you again. Um, but in that brief pause between things, Hawkeye has enough time to grab one of his sonic arrows... He grabs the the arrowhead, the sonic arrow, the sonic device. He shoves it in his mouth and turns it on. Um, now, the, the sonic waves are so high and intense that it does nullify the effect of the brainwashing machine, but it, enough for him to get control, but it destroys his Ooh, hearing. Ooh, okay. Um, and then he's able to kind of like, uh, you know, escape. Um and then later on, he has to get hearing aids to help him adjust to being permanently deaf. And, you know, it's not coming back. Now, unfortunately, not a lot of other writers did anything with him being deaf. It was never really brought much attention to it. Um, and he's died and been resurrected a couple of times. So it seems like maybe on some of those occasions he... He's come back with like a new body and isn't deaf anymore. It's 
it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but back in the in in the Matt Fraction series, Matt Fraction really loved that aspect that there was a superhero with deafness, and that could be something that could be um, could be written about dramatically and been used in 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 terms of the story. Mm. Um, so during this during one of the stories. We we learn two things. So during one of the stories, he gets um, attacked by a bad guy who stabs him in the ears with with arrows Ooh. and makes him deaf all over oh. again. Um, and then it's revealed through Hawkeye's brother, who is in town, that uh, we see flashbacks to Hawkeye's abusive past, and it's revealed in this series that Hawkeye was actually was deafened as a child by his uh, abuse at his father's hands uh. um so how deaf he he may have been a lot you know leading up to that story where he put a sonic bomb in his head Ooh. i don't know um but he did grow up um using sign language and being hard yeah. of hearing and not being able to hear mm. um Right from the start of Fraction series, yeah. there are little drips along the way, little things. We're, we're seeing things from Clint's uh, POV, and not. It's really hard. It's it's kind of if you're not deaf, then I, maybe it doesn't come across because I only learn about it retrospectively. So you see, die. You see word balloons in a comic book, and that's what somebody is saying. Mm. Well, in the Hawkeye series, from the start, there are times when instead of seeing someone's dialogue you see something in brackets that says instead of instead of the words um hey clint you owe me this month's rent it just says something something about the rent <laughs> in in parentheses in brackets which is a subtle indication to us that clint cannot hear everything that people say to him all yeah. the time he keeps missing things and then in 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 issue 19 which is the issue after he's been deafened again that entire issue there is no dialogue it's all american sign language instead of words the whole so it's, it's clint and his brother barney and his brother barney learned how to do sign language when he when clint mm. was young so there is no words no dialogue no spoken word in in the whole issue the communication in the whole issue is through asl american sign language which is the first ever you know historical first in there must be a lot of panels to do that I, I I can't quite remember how they uh, structure it out, but yeah, it's really cool. Really that does great. sound really good. So there's a dog. Uh, does Hawkeye have a, have a one-eyed dog? Yes, he, he does. does. He does. Starts in this series at yeah. the start. Um, he is the. Uh, there are some bad guys that wear tracksuits. We'll get to them. They've got a dog. Hawkeye's dealing with them. Uh, he shows kindness to this dog that looks a bit wretched and and not very well whatsoever. He gives him a fuss and he feeds him some pizza and the dog really likes the pizza. And uh, Clint goes, ah, he's a pizza dog. And then that kindness is repaid when Clint gets into it with a whole group of these uh, tracksuit dudes that want to kick the crap out of him. Um, as one of them is trying to shoot at Hawkeye, mm. um, the dog goes no don't attack the man who gave me pizza and bites his owner who is you know been a bad guy and treating him very badly and so these awful tracksuit men beat the dog and throw the dog into traffic to be hit by a car um 
which is just like the worst thing a uh, a villain can do in a comic book. Don't you think? Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you do kicking the crap out of a dog and throwing it into the traffic. Um, <laughs> the, the dog, the dog barely survives. Hawkeye rushes him to a to a, 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 a nearby vet mm. and pays all this money out. And the whole time, like the whole time, that the, the the dialogue is, it's not my dog. Is sir, your dog is really well. Yeah, it's not my dog, but yeah, okay, it's not my dog. I don't have a dog. Stop, stop saying I have a dog. I don't have a dog. And then by the end of the issue, is like, I guess he's my dog. He's coming home with me, isn't he? Yeah, he's coming home with me. God damn it, he's coming home with me. Um, so he, he survives because because uh, um, because Clint is like, I'll pay for whatever surgery he needs. He loses an eye, unfortunately, um, and uh, the, the the doctor is like, so what's his name? He says, I don't know. It's not my dog. <laughs> like I gave him a piece of pizza, and now my whole day is this. And I guess I have to look after him from now on. And he goes, oh, he's got a collar. And he takes the collar yeah. off and he goes, oh, the dog's name, your dog's name, it's Arrow. Oh. And the Hawkeye goes, nope, two on the nose, not yeah, going to happen. No. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Pizza Dog. <laughs> um, and eventually, because he's got one eye and he's kicked into traffic and all that, they end up calling the dog Lucky or Pizza yeah. Dog. Um, and then yeah, as soon as Kate kind of starts spending a lot of time in Clint's apartment um and hanging around then kate befriends lucky kind of more than than clint does um he's a companion to both of them and when kate leaves to to go to uh, la she takes um she takes lucky with her and and lucky kind of becomes pretty much kate's dog from from that point on um yeah lucky lucky the, pizza the pe- lucky the one-eyed pizza dog that is a i think that's better <laughs> yeah. into it but that's too many words. So one of the other major characters in this series, uh, I'm probably going to get his name wrong, is the sword-collecting rich guy called Jack Duquesne. Is he someone we should know about? Because he's really shifty. We talked about Hawkeye's origin in the comic books, trained in a circus by a master of weaponry. That master of weaponry is Jack Duquesne. Jack Duquesne is the man who taught Hawkeye how to use a bow and arrow and a sword and how to fight mm. and how to be a master marksman. Um, he took the young runaway Clint Barton in and uh, told him how to use all this and how to be a performer. And um, and he had a little he had a little gang going along with another marksman that he called Trickshot and Duquesne who was a master swordsman as well as everything else, um, had this little uh, this little carnival that was um, stealing money from people and all that kind of stuff. And Clint tried to do the right thing and tried to turn them in. And this guy, Duquesne, had been an absolute father figure and mentor to mm. Clint. And Clint, you know, kind of was torn about this, but he decided he was uh, – going to turn him in but before he could he was basically attacked by Duquesne and all the criminals in this circus and they beat the crap out of him um, but Duquesne decided not to kill Hawkeye uh, Clint and, and off he went and then years later Duquesne saw Hawkeye and recognised oh I he only fires that like that and walks like that because I taught him how to do it. That 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 guy is is Clint Barton. I trained him. I taught everything uh-huh. he knows. 
So Duquesne tried to join the Avengers because he was like, if they're going to let that <laughs> street rat, that urchin, who doesn't know half of what I know in the Avengers, mm. he was like, man, everything you get was an Avengers ID. It was fame and it was popularity and it was like it'd wash away any sins I might have committed in the past and I'll be able to con even more people. Um, but he was uh, refused entry because Hawkeye was going, no, this guy is bad news. And he threw a hissy fit. He, he, he basically, he made himself a costume. Duquesne yeah. made himself a costume and he, he, he claimed the identity, the swordsman. Right. Um, and he was like, you need me on the team. They had a falling out. He managed to uh, beat Captain America. Wow. Uh, and nearly threatened, well, threatened, threatened to, to kill him, him before the rest yeah. of the team, you know, caught up with him. And then he tried to join the team again later on. Um, and this time it was kind of like, I learned my lesson. I'm not doing it selfishly this time. Don't you want me to come and join you guys? Um, and he was working as an agent for the Mandarin. Ooh. Iron Man's classic, legendary, original villain. The Mandarin created like basically a a... a hologram of iron man mm. that walked into the avengers and went hello avengers <laughs> i have decided that we should accept swords man as the newest <laughs> member of the avengers so let's all give it up for swords, swords man, man. <laughs> and the other avengers are like what's happening i can't stop to chat about it i the real iron man have to leave now Bye. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and so he's granted membership, and he and Swordsman joins the Avengers, despite the fact he's working for the Mandarin. And the Mandarin's also like level him up. He's given him um, uh, uh, he's given him a new high tech sword that can um, fire lightning bolts and stuff like that. Um, so uh, he reveals his true true intentions quite early on. He's planted a bomb, and he's gonna blow it up and kill everyone. But he has a big change of heart, and he's like, I think the Mandarin is a dick. I don't want to do this. Um, and he saves the day. And because of those heroics of actually having a change of heart and saving the day, Hawkeye is like ever so slightly like, uh, well, I got a second chance. And the real and the real Iron Man is like, yeah, yeah. His heroics at the end kind of turn people around and they're mm. like, maybe, maybe you can have a genuine offer and genuinely come and, you know, work on the Avengers. But he's like, no, it seems like a terrible idea. The Mandarin is now trying to kill me. I've got to go on the run. <laughs> Bye. And then he's he's flip-flopped um, for a brief period of time in the 60s. Mm. He did work with... He went back to his villainous ways and he worked with supervillain teams and he has attacked the Avengers. But then he did work with them several times, um, including in his last ever appearance, he was helping the Avengers to kind of fight off Kang, who was trying to do a very complicated thing involving the Celestial Madonna and destroy the universe. Um, and the swordsman sacrificed himself uh, and and stopped Kang and died. And he's one of those few characters that never came back. Um, it was like, he's dead, he stays dead, um, he like ghosts of him have come back and things like that, and his body has been possessed by other spirits. But Jack Duquesne, the swordsman as we knew him, 
has died. I tell you what, I don't know quite why. I loved the character as a really? kid. Reading my, reading my dad's original 1960s Avengers mm. stuff, I I don't know what it was. I loved Hawkeye and I loved the swordsman. I think I loved like regular humans with a with a, a talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my brain was saying you could learn that, <laughs> but I really really loved the swordsman and I really wanted him to to become a hero and join the the, the Avengers. Can't quite work out why. But I, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. So also, Trick uh, Arrows, they play a big role in this series. Uh, is that something Hawkeye has in the comic books? In his very first appearance, hey. he has a grappling hook arrow, which he uses to scale a building, and then he attacks and defeats Iron Man. The first thing he fires is an explosive arrow that knocks Iron Man out of the sky, and then he fires at him an acid arrow. <laughs> That melts Iron Man's armor. 1960s Iron Man is not super high-tech force fields and this, that, and the other. He is a guy with metal armor powered by a microchip because microchips had just been invented <laughs> and radio transmitters and stuff. And he can, he can do stuff, but he's still just a guy in a suit of armor. Mm. And so, yeah, an acid arrow is super dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and then he does over the years, in the same way that Green Arrow, the DC character, very much had trick arrows in the in the forties and fifties. Green Arrow was like Batman. Instead of a utility belt full of gadgets, he had trick arrows. So Batman, you know, so he had like a all, all sorts of different trick arrows that could do different things, much like Batman could go in his utility belt mm. and pull out whatever he wanted. Green Arrow also had an arrow mobile. And an arrow cave. I'm not kidding. Um, he's a not an original no, thought in his head. Absolutely um, not. <clears throat> Hawkeye had those kind of, but he had his trick arrows. Kind of made a lot more, a bit more sense. Mm. Um, but he did. They, 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 they were. You know, like in the eighties, he had that sonic arrow. You know, there were weapons. You know, an explosive arrow, uh, an arrow that that kind of like emits sonic waves and knock people out or whatever. Uh, not like a. He also has had silly things like a glue arrow mm. and a the boomerang arrow. They in the in the map they, they kind of been left behind, and I think from the nineties onwards, the late eighties onwards, probably like writers very much wanted a serious Hawkeye would use deadly bladed arrows to stab people. <laughs> um, let's leave behind the smoke bomb arrow and the boomerang arrow and stuff. As soon as the Matt Fraction run starts, Kate is always pestering Clint about his trick arrows. Mm. She thinks they're fun. She's like, where are the trick arrows? <laughs> He's like, no, leave the trick arrows alone. They, 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 you have to know how to use them properly. And there's a big, thrilling car chase that takes place, with, um, which might sound similar, except in the comics... It's Kate driving the car, and it's Clint firing arrows out the window at the people chasing them. And all he's got on him are the trick arrows. So he can't quite shoot the tires out. Um, and the big one of the big plot devices in this issue is that Clint has run out of sticky tape. That's how his whole day starts. He's trying to label his trick arrows, and he doesn't have any sticky tape. And then... A whole bunch of thing goes ass backwards, and he's on the run from people with guns, and he's hanging out his car window, and uh, he's like, "Hand me the 
the explosive arrow, and Kate is like, you haven't labelled these. And he went, I ran out of sticky tape. (laughs) (laughs) So she's handing him whatever arrow comes next, and he keeps firing the wrong arrows that aren't helping. That's good, that's good. It's a tremendously fun scene, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the trick arrows, that was kind of like, I guess, Matt Fraction's like a uh, way of of kind of reintroducing the slightly cheesy trick arrows but doing them in a sophisticated kind of modern post post ironic yeah, way yeah that makes perfect sense so we've talked a bit about his costume what was his original costume and why doesn't he wear it in the MCU um i've just sent you some images if you check the second image okay just a sec that i've sent you um the second oh, well-o. one is his traditional costume. Yeah. It's a lot. They got the pirate boots. Blue and purple. Blue and purple with the big purple mask and the H and kind of winged mask and stuff. Um I love it. I adore it. It's it's Hawkeye to me. Um I've seen amazing cosplayers look badass wearing wearing oh, this. Yeah. It looks so good. I just don't it. get the pirate um, boots. All superheroes wear pirate boots, pretty much. Captain America wears pirate oh, boots. Why is that? I don't know. It looks good. It's a design. <laughs> just so yeah, you'd have to ask. You'd have to ask all the artists, I guess. I, I don't will. know. They're just boots. I think they're just boots. I don't think they're particularly pirate boots. But they've they got boots. that little trim thing at the fold yeah. down bit. Some boots do. They could be called um, Father Christmas oh, boots, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, that's his. That's his. That's his. Um, original and regular costume um and i i get yeah they don't they don't like costumes in the mcu do they there's captain america but they every time they introduce the character they're doing more and more to get rid of it as a costume and make it look like really we want him to look like an army man but just sort of in blue and there's a star <laughs> somewhere on him um until we get the badass new captain america who is incredible yes um, on the on the the first image I sent you is how Hawkeye looks in the Ultimate Universe. That's Ultimate. He even kind of looks like Jeremy Renner. Very but very much. It, well, you've got the shaved head. Yeah. He's got like all leather, kind of like a leather yeah. or a bulletproof vest kind of thing. It's got like a red, a big red arrow design, but like an arrow that you'd have on like a symbol, the symbol of yeah, an arrow, yeah, yeah. right? Like an arrow, a roadside yeah. arrow. Big red arrow on his on his kind of on his on his bulletproof vest, I guess. Um, cut off. No, hasn't got sleeves, no, has he? He's I mean, got the he, I don't think he's ever had sleeves. I'm looking at the original design, and that does those aren't sleeves. Well, he's got yeah, he's got kind of something on him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. true, true. But he's got kind of yeah, the buzz cut shaved head as well. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 third image I've sent you is the design from the front cover of the Matt Fraction David Arger series. Matt Fraction. Um, which is kind of a, I guess, a strip back. Mm. You know, they're using the purple color scheme, but they're kind of incorporating a lot of the modern ultimate look, but softening it so he doesn't just look like a, I don't know, a, an assassin or a henchman. Do you know for... what he looks like? He looks like someone who does this as a hobby. He looks like any archer I've seen on, online is like, hey, I'm going to get my grade three in arching. This is what they all look like. He's got the Oakley shades. Yeah, that's true. Those shades. Yeah, he started the the ultimate mm. version of Hawkeye started wearing shades instead of a mask, and that then bled over into the new version of the of the of the costume mm. in uh, in in the regular universe. I never liked him wearing yeah. shades. I must admit. Um, 
But yeah, I guess without a costume, you do just look like a, a hobbyist, don't you? You just look like a guy with you a bow and arrow. Yeah, that's, that, you do. You look like an absolute lunatic. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of absolute lunatics, who are the tracksuit <laughs> gang? Oh, variously known as the tracksuit mafia, ah, really, in okay. the comics. Although Hawkeye dubs them the tracksuit Draculas. Um because they have an Eastern European accent. Yes, there we go. Mild <laughs> there, racism. So, yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're an organized crime group um, that are working out of New York, but they're Eastern European in origin. Um, and they own or they own the apartment building that Hawkeye happens right, to live in. okay. And they are driving up the rent by like five times what it should be what people were paying last month to kick people out of the building so they can sell the oh. building um and they also kick a dog into the streets um which sets off this whole this whole thing of hawkeye being like i for my for my job i put on a costume and i go and fight like kang and ultron why am i ignoring actual bad awful people that i pass on the street yeah. every day because they live in my they they're doing shit in my neighborhood that's where mm. i live so he's like i'm not gonna do this anymore i'm going to do something about this um which starts a whole snowball of crap <laughs> snowball of uh, crap. in his life yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not they're not super powered. They don't work for the kingpin. They don't work for Doctor Doom. They're just an organized crime group. But they do say bro all the time. It's it's that's the whole thing. Bro, bro, don't mess with us, bro, bro. Uh, get out of get out of here, bro. Because but they won't say. Sorry, I'm doing it wrong because I don't want to make fun of the accent. But when you hear it's so if a thick Eastern European accent, but saying bro, bro every yeah, other yeah. word, and they all say it, and they all look exactly the same. Um, they're pretty. They're pretty funny as well as being people that kick kick Clint oh, around and a dog into the street. Um, so, is there a badass deaf criminal in the comic books? We have to go to Daredevil Ooh, okay. for this one. Um, Mayor Lopez. Created by Brian Michael Bendis, oh uh, no, sorry, David Mack and Joe Quesada um, in in Daredevil in 1999, created to be like a counterpoint for Daredevil, a physically gifted and dangerous but deaf counterpoint or enemy for the physically gifted but blind Daredevil. Mm. Do you get it? Okay, I get it. Uh, so M- Maya Lopez is a young girl when her father. Crazy Horse Willie Willie Lincoln Crazy Willie Horse Lincoln. was was killed by I don't know why we've repeated Willie I, Lincoln. I, I, okay. I like the name Willie Lincoln. I just think <laughs> it has a real good. It, it just to me it sounds funny, probably because it's Willie. Her, her so her father Crazy Horse is murdered by the kingpin. Ooh. Crazy Horse dies and. Um, as she kind of holds her dad in her arms, he leaves a bloody handprint on Maya's face. Mm. Um, and she witnesses what happens. And his last dying wish to the kingpin is raise my daughter well. Ooh. And the kingpin honors that because he didn't, he, it's one of these things. Um, uh, crazy horse was in crime. He's a uh, Native American or in- Indigenous American, um, and he's just one of the people that Fisk like 
didn't have anything against. He just had to kill him. Um, and Wilson Fisk honors that dying wish and raises Maya Lopez as his own daughter, as if she was his own child. Um, he has a scene by the, she's, they don't know what's to begin with. Wilson doesn't know what's wrong with her. She doesn't speak. She's completely mute. Mm. Um, believe she might have me- mental disability. Um, but the the best doctors are like, oh no, she's just deaf and she doesn't know what's going on at the moment. Um, and she hasn't learned how to do signs. She hasn't learned how to read, read lips. Kingpin sends her to the best schools in America, Ooh. and she's very quickly spotted as being an incredibly gifted person. She can completely she can echo anything she sees someone do physically wow she can mimic it she watches a a gifted pianist play the piano and she can immediately play the same way um and it's the same with with drawing with arts and it's also the same with um martial arts with with anything she sees Maya can echo it perfectly immediately. Um, she becomes a, a prodigy and is one of the most gifted, talented, physical women in the world. Um, and Ma- Kingpin, uh, after raising it to a certain point, basically sends her to screw with Matt mm. Murdock. It's a period of time where Kingpin knows Matt Murdock's secret identity and holds on to that and does nothing about it other than screw with him occasionally. And he sends mayor to speak to matt murdoch on his behalf and basically say you are wrong wilson fisk is a wonderful man he is my Mm. father he has done everything for me and because mayor believes it it's not a lie so matt murdoch when he's listening to her heartbeat he's not listening to her lie Mm. she comes to like strip matt murdoch down and say how wonderful wilson fisk is and he's like wait why is she not? Why can I not hear her 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 body react to lying yeah. to me? What's going on? And she describes all the wonderful things Kingpin has done for her over the years, um, and she doesn't seem to know, you know, or view his his criminality in a bad sense. Uh, Maya and 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 Matt Murdock fall in love and they have a relationship, um, and she takes on a kind of a a kind of costumed identity. Mm. She takes the name Echo. She draws a white... She paints a white handprint on her face to mimic the one her father left, Crazy Horse left. Um, And not knowing that Matt Murdoch is Daredevil, uh, she sets off to kick Daredevil's ass and is able to do it because all she has to do is watch Daredevil fight, watch Bullseye fight, watch Electra fight, and just like that, she can immediately do it. Um... Yeah, and that's Echo. She does eventually learn. Um, she nearly kills Daredevil, but then she finds out Daredevil is Matt Murdock, and then Matt convinces her and exposes Kingpin's mm. lies, and um, she's completely turned against Kingpin, and in revenge, she shoots the Kingpin in the face. Ooh. And he survives, but he's blinded no. forever. He's been blinded from that point on, um, which is this weird, perfect circle yeah. of the kingpin suddenly becomes the blind man, and that sets off a chain of events that leads to his complete downfall from organized crime. Um, uh, but yeah, all started by his daughter, uh, Maya Lopez Echo, 
Um, mm. Incredible. Okay. Now, this is a name that's been swung around quite a bit. Uh, who is Ronin? Ronin. 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 Sorry. I would sorry. Say it, but Ronin. I, um, I don't quite remember how they pronounce it in the, in the mm. movies. Um, Ronin is a term that means masterless samurai, masterless yeah, that's warrior. Yeah, I've heard it from elsewhere. Um, I've heard that term before. The so after the Civil War, there is two teams of Avengers. Captain America's teams are fugitives and outlaws because they are constantly disobeying the Superhuman Registration Act. They're also chasing down an old conspiracy an organized crime plot that involves the hand mm. the hand are a mix between a mafia a, a yakuza yeah. sorry and a death cult captain america goes to daredevil to recruit him to join the new avengers um because he needs this expertise on the hand matt murdock daredevil matt murdock he goes to matt murdock not daredevil uh, matt murdock turns him down because matt murdock's life is hell as we've talked about in one of our bonus episodes, Murdoch had just been outed in the tabloid press as Daredevil. It's led to him nearly being disbarred. It's led to nearly everyone he's ever convicted, um, put behind bars, being released. Um, assassination attempts, completely ostracized by everyone. His life is a circus, and it's a hellish circus. Mm. And Matt Murdoch, in a roundabout way, without confirming that he is Daredevil to Captain America, says... You have to understand, if what you're saying, if what you think is true, and I am Daredevil, I could never do what you're asking me to. Daredevil could never stand next to the Avengers, because it would tarnish you all, and it would bring a world, my nightmare world would suddenly be your nightmare world, because it would just envelop you Mm -hmm. in it. And Captain America says to Matt Murdock, why not just forget about this Daredevil thing then? wear a different mask and take a different name. He says, I did that for a time. I left, I abandoned the Captain America identity and I called myself Nomad, a man without country, and I and or, or the captain, and I carried on doing what I had to hmm. do. And Matt Murdock immediately says, ah, I've just thought of someone who could help you. It's a new masked warrior. Uh, very good and talented a fighter with intimate knowledge of the Japanese organized crime. <laughs> this mass vigilante is called uh, Ronin. Now, to the Avengers, the the story is not told in a linear fashion. We bounce around in the timeline a bit, as in it's flashbacks mm-hmm. and then present day and stuff. To the Avengers and to all the readers, it's really clear that Ronin is Daredevil, using a different costume and yeah. name. Especially because Spidey and Captain America go, oh, that fighting style, that's Daredevil. Mm. I know exactly how Daredevil fights, and that's it. But when Ronin takes the mask off after helping to fight the Hand and joining the Avengers, it's revealed that it's not Matt Murdock, but it's Echo. It's Maya Lopez. Oh, interesting. Who is using her powers to echo how Daredevil fights Mm. and other people. And didn't want to join the Avengers with this kingpin connection. That's in the tabloids that would tarnish the the uh tarnish these new kingpin the, the new avengers mm. sorry um and then uh echo is technically a serving avenger but they basically use her as their agent in madripoor 
which is a fictional Asian country in uh, Asian island in in, in Marvel yes. Universe. Ronin is 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 working out of of Madripoor to keep tabs on the um, the hand and organized crime and stuff. And then we go through a whole bunch of of craziness with uh, the, the death of Captain America, the return of Hawkeye, um, the Skrull invasion. A whole bunch of stuff goes on when when Clint Barton comes back from the dead. Uh, he he learns about the assassination of Captain America. He confronts Tony Stark. While I was while I was dead and gone, this civil war happened, and Captain America was killed. And this feels like it's all your fault. And Tony Stark, who is now running Shield and basically running America, um, security wise, mm. sits Clint Barton down and offers him the shield, the mask, and says, you should come and be the new Captain America. Wow. Um, you can't you work for me. Sign the Registration Act, join the Avengers, be Captain America. We both know you can do it. Um, but it's, it's uh, his, um, his brief little meeting with Kate Bishop inspires Clint to Basically, tell Tony Stark to f off. <laughs> um, you can't bribe me. You can't buy me, and reject Stark's offer, and ends up joining the Avengers. Not as Hawkeye though, because he's he's given his blessing to Kate uh, okay. to be Hawkeye. So he joins the new Avengers as Ronin. Gotcha. Under this new disguise, mm. um, so he serves the this new Avengers team. With a completely masked identity, because part partly because the the new Avengers are all fugitives and outlaws on of the course, run. Of course, okay. Also, uh, Madri- was it Madrigal the, the that Madripoor? I think someone pointed out that they had the Madriporian flag in another series, in another Disney Plus series. Someone pointed it out. Apparently, Madripoor turns up in Falcon. And oh, it Soldier. does, does it? Yeah, that's the series. They go, they go there, and they, yeah, they do stuff there. Okay, yeah. okay, that's good. Um, yeah, cool. So, does Hawkeye's family do they have a big role in the comics or not? Well, Hawkeye doesn't. I mean, his his brother is he's an orphan, okay. um, and he doesn't. Ma- I mean, he marries. So, so the answer is no, um, because the the MC the, the the Disney Plus MCU Hawkeye is the ultimate Hawkeye. And he has that family that we talked about, um, that family life, and it, we 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 are we learn from Nick Fury that before every single Ultimates mission or Black Ops mission, Clint Barton phones his wife and says goodbye to his wife and goodbye to his kids because he goes into every mission thinking he's going to die, and he does it every time, um, and then that's the family that the Black Widow in the Ultimate Universe, murders in front of Hawkeye and kills them Ooh. all and sends him kind of round the bend. Mm. So that's the family that we're... That's sort of the family that we're partly seeing, I yeah. guess. Um, wife and kids. Clint, regular, traditional 616 Clint Barton Hawkeye doesn't have a wife and kids. He married um, Mockingbird for a while, Bobby Morse. Um, they never had kids. And they eventually, well, it doesn't take very long. They split up and divorce and mm. stuff. Um, but no, there's nothing like that. I mean, he has a a, a a rascally brother who is occasionally a villain, but 
it's really great in the Matt Fraction series. His brother turns up. His brother is a villain, but because he's his brother, they they still love each other and they still like they can they they literally do fight and then they'll go and do something together and then they'll have another fight and then they'll go and get food and then it's a very it's a very great portrayal I think of a of a of a brother kind of relationship yeah, I can vouch for that. Of, a, of a sibling relationship yeah. um, a lot of disagreements a lot of actual fighting but then also let's go get a burger mm. Jesus Christ what's wrong with you you know that kind of stuff it's really, really neat. neat okay one last question it's a little one but one I'm really curious about so in one episode. Hawkeye shows Kate an amazing coin trick. Uh, does he ever do anything like that in the original comics? I'm wary of talking about this because, I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen the latest episode like you have. But the only reason to do that trick on to do that trick is if you're going to use it in the plot mm. at some point in the move in the in the series. Absolutely. Um, that's going to be have to be a way they get out of something. Flick a coin at a at a button on the other side of the room and well, no. release a cage or something. Or I haven't do, seen or it do happen, what Michael so. Jackson did in the Smooth Criminal video. <laughs> <laughs> Turn a jukebox yeah. on. <laughs> it does. In, in the very first issue of this Matt Fraction series, Hawkeye, uh, Clint Barton does use it, but there's no setup to it. Mm. There's no like, look, look what I can do. It's just what happens is in the first issue, Lucky, the dog, is in traffic there's a high van coming that can't see him because he's so low down on the ground. Mm. It's about to be hit. The driver doesn't know there's a little dog coming, you know, underneath that's going to be under his Ooh. wheels. The only thing Clint has to hand is some spare change in his pocket. So he flips the coin and sends it smashing through the passenger Ooh. window. Like it, it smashes through and goes right. Um, right in front of the driver's eyes, so he slams the brakes on because he's just seen something, and doesn't. I mean, he still hits Lucky, but he doesn't run Lucky over. He whacks oh, him. Wow! So it's just this 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 really quick moment um, of uh, of saving Lucky's life. As ever, thank you, Will, for your deep and probing questions as we take a deeper dive into the world of Hawkeye and the life of Clint Barton and Kate Bishop for the first time. If Don't forget, if you want more on Kate Bishop, you can head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel and enjoy our Young Avengers episode, which is the full-length bonus show for December. Reading list um, for this episode, I can't recommend enough checking out the Matt Fraction series. And of course, we're giving away the uh, the, the Matt Fraction uh, David Ager Omnibus. All you have to do to enter is go and follow us on Twitter at Marvel Versus and then send us a tweet where you talk about your favorite episode of Marvel Versus Marvel. We'll pick a winner at random, and we'll announce that and let them know just before Christmas. And if you're in the UK, it's UK only, I'm afraid, guys, because we've got to post it out, and it would be a nightmare and a very expensive thing to send it to uh, to 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 abroad. Um, check out if you can uh, Hawkeye by Mark Grunewald. That's G R U E N W A L D Grunewald. Um, he's he's the guy that wrote the very first kind of Hawkeye solo series in the 1980s. It's not terribly sophisticated, but it has got the 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 first time Hawkeye is presented as a bit more mature, and he's got the introduction of uh, introduction of Mockingbird and that relationship, which is pretty cool and fun. And the first time Hawkeye gets goes deaf, 
I also think that it's probably worth checking out The Ultimates by Mark Miller and Brian Hitch to get that ultimate version of Hawkeye to see where the aesthetic and the kind of modern MCU vibe of Hawkeye came from. Although I'll warn you, it's not for um, the soft-hearted. Everyone's everyone's kind of sadistic uh, when Mark Miller writes them, and it's no different of the Avengers when they are the Ultimates. That's the reading list for this episode. Next episode coming at you before the end of the year. We'll be taking a little uh, festive break, so we're bringing you a special festive unscripted end of year show me and will chatting all things marvel that we've uh, that we've encountered and got to um all things that we're reading some of your letters and questions and things you can send them into us marvel versus marvel at gmail.com we'll be reading stuff out we'll be talking about what we've watched and seen at the cinema and beyond we'll go uh, to all realms of uh, we'll talk about some dc stuff as well um, but we won't be following a format we won't be looking at a movie or a tv show we'll just be having an awesome unscripted podcast plus in that episode we're going to have some really cool announcements for what we've got uh for you in 2022 so don't forget to uh Head on over to patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, subscribe, leave a cool review, give us five stars. Hey, why not recommend us to a friend who loves Marvel? We won't be looking at a film next week. It'll be an unscripted episode. See you then.